How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Yell in a Cell podcast where we talk about wrestling and everything in the sorts. I am your co-host, Zachary Weinberger, here with JP Acosta. JP, first of all, how are you doing? Doing good, man. It's been a pretty lazy Saturday. Just excited, in a weird way, for Elimination Chamber. But it was another pretty good week of wrestling. Absolutely. And like we did, if you didn't check it out, our last episode was we reviewed and recapped uh, NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. And what an amazing show, crazy show was. We talked everything about our, you know, a couple of us here. We it, Our matches of the year are on that card, two of them really. So check it out. We go match by match, talk about that crazy ending. Uh, definitely check it out. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify, Anchor, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and we're planning to do two episodes right now. So the first of the two is our weekly weekend recap of all the week shows. Uh, I just got done finishing watching uh, AEW Dynamite the past this past Wednesday show. So we're ready to talk about it. And then afterwards, we're going to give our predictions for Elimination Chamber 2021. It is a weird-ass card, and we'll talk about it. Weird, weird, weird. weird. But... Um, yeah, and again, we're going to allude to it throughout the week when we talk about it, but it's going to be an interesting show, and I'm excited to do those predictions. But we start off, obviously, with Monday Night Raw. It was a very interesting show this past Monday. I would say that the past couple Raws, if you agree with me, JP, were, were actually better than usual. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think the past two Raws have been better. I'm not sure how high the bar is for Raw, but they've been they've had a better pace. I'll say that there's definitely been still be some low spots, but the pacing has been better. The wrestling has always been good to great. So it's been a little better these past two weeks. Yeah, it has been. So the way we started this Monday Night Raw was Drew McIntyre coming out to, to be a host, a guest TV. Morrison is not there. The Miss says that the John Morrison is not there because he's recording a dish track for a bad bunny. That's what he says. Um, so Drew McIntyre comes to the ring. And Drew McIntyre really doesn't get a word off in the first couple minutes here. Miz just keeps cutting him off. He's talking about the Elimination Chamber. He's talking about Edge. Uh, he's mentioning a, lot, a couple things here and there. Um, but it comes to a point where Drew McIntyre pretty much is, is just annoyed and just says, you know, I think he's, pretty much he says to shut the hell up. I'm pretty sure that's his words saying there. Um and then pretty much after that, as soon as like he says, if you if you interrupt me one more time, uh, it, you know, just kind of threatening him. And then he interrupts again and he takes a Glasgow kiss right to the face. And just like he did, I think like uh, like a month or two ago, he just chucks the money in the bank um, as far as he can. Um, and then he leaves. But after that, the Miz cuts this kind of promo saying like, you know, what he just did to me proves the pressure that he's under and a pressure that I don't have to be under. So he pretty much relinquishes his spot in the elimination chamber that he was supposed to be in because he says, I have the money in the bank. I really don't need to put myself through this, like, you know, one of the worst stipulations in, in WWE history. I don't need to do that. So he relinquishes his spot. Um, and that's pretty much the end of the segment. So I thought that this was, you know, kind of a weird opening to Raw because, I mean, like, Drew McIntyre was out there. He really didn't say anything. All he did was just chuck the money in the bank Briefcase as hard as he can, but that promo that Miss cut afterwards was actually pretty bad and kind of saved it for me. But not a bad opening segment. What do you think? Um, it was all right. I mean, I like that they embraced the logic because I've been asking since they announced Miz would be in the Elimination Chamber, like why? Why is he going to be in this if he has money in the bank? There's no reason for him to. 
and them finally coming to their senses and saying, hey, he doesn't need to be in this match, it opens up a lot more possibilities, especially for what happens later on in the night. But um, I do want to know, does Drew practice throwing the money in the bank uh, briefcase as far as he can? Like, before the shows, is he just, yeah, is he just going to, like, toss it and just, like, give it practice runs? Or he just, like, I'm just going to throw it and see what happens. Because that look, it looked like he threw it, like, extremely far. And I'm like, this seems like he practiced it before. The, the last time he did it, he actually, like, broke one of the monitors in the ramp. Uh, I wish that happened again. I, does he practice it? He probably did a couple chucks before the show started, I, I think, for sure. Um, I don't know. He, again, the guy's strong. He could probably throw us as far as that briefcase. So, um, the briefcase is. There's nothing in it except for, like, a contract. So, Just a, just a piece of paper in those briefcases. I mean, it's, it's pretty ask, much nothing. I'm going to ask. ask yeah, you, contact the WWE. And I'm gonna ask, how heavy is the money in bank briefcase? Just DM Miz, just say like, "Hey, hey, Mike, um, how you know is is, is lightweight, whatever? Can I lift weights? Exactly. Can you lift weights with them? Uh, but the next thing after this is a six-man tag match between the Hurt Business, the team of MVP Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin versus Matt Riddle and Lucha House Party. Um, the best part of this whole thing was, well, by the way, we saw this match. I, I would say several weeks ago." Um, the best thing is when it was President's Day and Matt and Matt Riddle was talking to Lucha House Party about <laughs> JP. <laughs> JP's already done with this. Um, he's talking about the you know the best president and stuff like that, and he's kind of making like jokes, like saying the president's name, like br- like bro. I forgot what the jokes he did. If, if, if I'm being quite honest, um, but he asked. I think it was he asked Graham Metalik who his favorite president was. What did he say? It was a really cringy line. Um, I'm trying to. I'm honestly trying to find it because it was honestly some good. It was honestly like the best thing I've heard all all, all night. But he says something and like Grand Match League is like, you know, we have a match coming up. You know, like maybe we should just do that. And he's like, no, no worries, bro. And he comes out. I think this is the point where JP tweeted saying like Matt Riddle should never cut a promo ever again. Did you? Did you? Is that? Is that? Yes. Is that it's accurate? That point. And I was at that point. I was like, okay, if you're gonna write stuff for him to say like Teddy Roosevelt. There you go. That was one of them. Yeah. There's no need for this. Just let him go and beat people up. I, d- I don't appreciate this. My brother loved it, but he's 11. So like, <laughs> I'm just sitting there like, oh my gosh, this is what he's doing? Like, I get that he's supposed to be kind of carefree, but that's stupid. Like, it's just, it was just real stupid, like having him say all that stuff. You know, maybe maybe that's the target audience, I guess. Is that's, that's maybe to, you know, to, to, maybe. I mean, listen, I didn't... I didn't hate it, but I guess Matt Riddle is at this point of his kind of time where he's just like, he's he's not really being taken seriously, even though like sometimes in the ring when like you get him a little angry, he kind of gets in a little of a flurry, but like, I don't know. But they have a match. Uh, not a bad match between these two between these two teams. I mean, they've done it already. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty much kind of the same fluff that we've seen, but they kind of go back and forth. One team dominates the other, like for a couple more minutes. Um... But then afterwards, it comes to a point where where Matt Riddle actually rolls up um, MVP. I think he also does like a bro time on him for the win. I think actually MVP got injured during the spot here. Um, and we, we don't kind of know with the severity of the injuries. I don't think it's that serious, but he did suffer an injury in, in this match. Um, but, but Riddle obviously, you know, pins MVP for the win. And then afterwards... Whereas as they're celebrating on the ramp with Riddle and the Lucha House Party, Bobby Lashley just comes out and just decimates everybody. Keekly nowhere to be found. Um, 
because they're saying that you know his status in, into elimination chamber is actually kind of blurry from what I've heard in reports. So, well, that's probably why he wasn't he was absent. But he, he you know obviously puts the hurt lock on Mad Riddle, and you know the hurt business just kind of like stands tall. And uh, for, and Bobby Lashley goes into the elimination chamber at you know dominant. Uh, so JP, what did you think of this match? Uh, and what did you think of the 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 aftermath of it? Uh, I don't know. I feel like this was a miss because we've seen the match before and the match itself was pretty good, but then having Bobby Lashley come out and put the hurt lock on Matt Riddle after he'd already rolled up. Remember the hurt business. It's kind of that whole 50, 50 thing where it's like, Oh, you got to win, but you can't be too strong. But I don't know. It just feels weird. This was a odd kind of decision to kind of have Bobby Lashley just put the hurt lock on him and walk away and not have the Lucha House Party do anything. I think they might have gotten beat up, too. But I don't know. It just I tweeted it out. It was kind of like, we've seen this before. It was a cool match. It's, they're always cool matches. But, like, I don't know. It just felt like it missed. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. Um, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm honestly excited for this triple threat. If it stays, uh, the triple threat match between Keith Lee, Riddle, and Bobby Lashley for the United States title. Uh, we'll talk about our predictions for that when we, when we, you know, once we get to that episode. But um, obviously, it's in question. We don't know if Keith Lee will be healthy by then. Maybe it'll be a singles match. Who knows? Um, but I feel like that, you know, in the go home show to the to, in the build up for that match, I guess they wanted Bobby Lashley to look strong in the go home show. Whether that means he loses it or not, I I, I don't know. But uh, weird, kind of a weird thing to happen. Um, and I guess if you're gonna have someone to get the pin, it's gonna be MVP out of everybody else since they're you know building up that momentum with the Hurt Business still. So, uh, but we move on and we actually go backstage and uh, Bad Bunny is talking to Mandy Rose. They're flirting, you know, you know, whatever. Bad Bunny looks back and Damian Priest is like, you know, I'm like, hey, what's up, bro? And uh, they're talking. And then as soon as they're talking, they get interrupted by Akira Tozawa pinning R-Truth for the 24-7 title. Uh, he wins. And he kind of, Tozawa runs into Damian Priest and Damian Priest is just, kind of bumps into him and then he takes his his head and throws it against like a crate or something and he tells bad bunny dale dale pin him pin him and he pins him uh and bad bunny is your new 24 7 champion um and he and him and like Damian Priest run off with it so that's that i mean i want to get your thoughts jp but this is what i want um tonight actually as a recording bad bunny is going to be on snl he's going to be the musical guest um, I think SNL put on their Twitter saying like, here's the 24 seven champ. I am hoping that whether it be in a skit or one of the musical performances at the end, R-Truth pins him to win it back the 24 seven title. Like imagine the, again, the people talk, the, the whole debate about bad bunny has been so stupid, by the way, like, Oh, is it, what, what is he doing here in WWE? It's been kind of weird for me. I think that it's like, it would prove more to how many eyes are going to be on WWE once R-Truth appears on SNL and pins him. I think it would be great. But well, what did you think of the segment, JP? And do you think that this, something on SNL WWE related could happen? I think something on SNL WWE related is definitely going to happen. We might see Damian Priest. We might see R-Truth. Um, you know, Colin Jost and Michael Che were at, I believe, WrestleMania 35. And they were the hosts. So you know that something's going to happen. This is what they brought in Bad Bunny for, to win the 24-7 title, bring the WWE name onto SNL, and get pinned by R-Truth. It's nothing serious. I mean, 
for people saying like they hate Bad Buddy and WWE and he's taking all the time from people. The biggest counterpoint to that is Bad Bunny sold the most like memorabilia and like t-shirts and hoodies on the WWE website since he got there. Like he's outsold everybody. That's how popular he is. He's bringing people to the brand. That's what you want. That's at the end of the day, we want to bring in more wrestling fans. Bad Bunny is going to bring in a lot of wrestling fans. So I don't see what the problem is here. I think people are just mad for no reason. I think so too. Um, and really, here's the thing: I've I have never, I probably heard his music on the radio, but um, I still know who he is. If you don't know who he is, I mean, then you're just living under a rock. Like if I'm being quite real, guy is old popular. He's like literally one of the top two, even maybe number one in the American community. And again, he's bringing in those eyes. I've had actually. Um, a one of my cable guys come in actually recently. I forgot to mention this a couple of shows ago. He came in recently and he was telling my dad about Bad Bunny. Like, hey, you know, Bad Bunny was wrestling. And he said, do you watch wrestling? He says, no, but I watch it because of Bad Bunny. I'm like, that's exactly why he's there. You know, it, literally ex- the exact reason. So I, I think it's it's all great. If I'm being honest, I prefer this. I think we said it before. I prefer this to what Shaq is doing at AEW at the moment. Um, do, do you agree with JP on prefer it more than Shaq and AEW because they're booking Shaq in like an actual actual match like he has to wrestle like Cody Rhodes I don't I don't feel comfortable with that and you know we could probably say the same thing about Bad Bunny in terms of what rumors are being heard about for Wrestlemania I think it's going to be Miz and Morrison against Bad Bunny and Damian Priest at Mania I really don't see a problem with that personally because again he'll come in do the spots he probably won't even be in the match that much. You know, it'll probably be something like Braun Strowman and Nicholas from WrestleMania 34. Damian Priest is going to do most of the work. Bad Bunny's going to look cool and they'll win. That's really it. But with Shaq, it's a mixed tag match. So, like, he has to wrestle Cody. You can't hide him behind uh, Red Velvet, I, both physically and, like, match-wise. But I don't see a problem. I think people are just kind of mad for no reason. It's He's literally more popular in Latin America than any wrestler is worldwide. Like He's more popular in one country than he is, than any WWE wrestler is around the world. So this is going to bring more viewers. That's what we ultimately want. It also helps, it also helps Damian Priest. I feel like with this Bad Bunny sort of kind of partnership that's going on not only is he you know pursuing a dream which i think is great he weekly television since Royal Rumble, i feel he's been on every single raw um and again putting in with damian priest because not only you're going to bring the eyes that bad bunny's going to bring but you're th- those same people are going to look at damian priest and be like maybe this guy's the next big star he's being paired up with bad bunny the company you can see has faith in damian priest by pairing him up with them and i just think that there's a lot more benefits to this to me it's just like you can say it's a ratings pop, and you, you you're definitely right. But I feel like there's much, a lot more benefits to this. But with Shaq, to me, it's just the ratings thing. It's the TNT partnership thing. Um, and to me, again, Shaq has not been on weekly. I mean, this has been a couple months in the making, but a lot of those weeks, Shaq was not appearing or anything. No mention of the match. So this one, it's like week by week. We're, we know we're probably gonna get that match of Mania. I'm all for it. So, but we move on. He's still a 24/7 champion. We'll see that by tonight if he still is. But um, it, it, to me, it was it was a great segment as well, for sure. Um, okay, we talked about a really good uh, thing in, on Raw. 
Um, and I'm, you know, JP, I, I hate to say, but we're gonna have to talk about this because oh, it's the next thing on the event. Um, I knew it was coming, and I'm still not prepared. Yeah. So the match setup is Oscar and Charlotte Flair versus Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce. Um, yeah. Okay. So they go to the ring. Uh, Oscar and Charlotte Flair. They do their entrance. And Lacey Evans and Charlotte and Ric Flair and Payne Royce come out. I think Lacey Evans cuts a promo about like a valent like a late Valentine's Day thing or whatever or, or something about Valentine's Day. Like she brought like a little one of those candy hearts and said bite me or some or some crap like that. Um, they go in the ring. They have a match, and Lacey Evans is not in the match. It's it's Peyton Royce, uh, and it's pretty much a handicap match because you know she's been fighting both people. I mean, granted, she looks great. Payne Royce is good. Obviously, we know we know this. She looks gonna. It's not like a terrible match. I mean, it's not a terrible handicap match, but it comes to a point. I'm just honestly gonna skip because you know I'm honestly gonna skip to the to the part that we want to talk about here. Um, it comes to a point where Payne Royce, obviously, she's in a lot of trouble. She tags in Lacey Evans, and Lacey Evans doesn't come in the ring. She kind of backs off, and Charles like, "What's going on here?" So Lacey Evans gets a mic, and. <sighs> She says to Charlotte, said, Charlotte, I have to tell you something. I have to tell everybody something. I'm pregnant. Um, and when I heard this, I'm like, oh, God. So, um, and then Ric Flair, the way he reacts, he looks at her and says, really? And she says, yeah. And he says, call me daddy. And starts like dancing like Ric Flair does. Um, <laughs> so, so when I heard this, obviously... I was saying to myself, you know, this is awful. This is absolutely awful. The thing that saves it is because in real life, Lacey Evans is actually pregnant. Congratulations to her. Obviously, the birth of life is beautiful. But I'm hoping they don't uh, say that Ric Flair is a dad. I think that would be awful. And there's a tweet that kind of was circulating afterwards. This is before the pregnancy, the actual pregnancy news was kind of released, where they said they really need women women backstage to kind of talk about stories and stuff, and I couldn't agree more. I feel like this is like a 1990s Attitude Era sort of thing. This is like um, Tori Wilson, I think, and, and Eva, not Eva Marie, Dawn Marie and her, and her dad. Lita and Snitsky. Snitsky. Gene Snitsky. It wasn't my fault. Um, nah, but this is just lazy, man. But, so I need, so let's get your thoughts, JP. I think that this is bad maybe it's a blessing in disguise because we won't see the storyline for a long time if they just cut it just give me your thoughts on this jp okay first off first off congratulations lacey evans much blessing but what on earth man oh my god i'm gonna tell you my exact reaction so she tags it and she just doesn't wrestle she pops out like okay this seems like a sort of healed thing to do it's like i'm not gonna fight you you have to wait until so and so but then she goes i'm pregnant and i'm sitting there watching with my sister right and i'm just like what and i was like you're what and then rick flair starts strutting like really and it's like he starts strutting around and like, well call me daddy and i'm like oh god no oh god this is not what they're doing and like i looked at my sister and we're both like what and so I went straight to Twitter. I'm like, okay, this has got to be, this can't be real. This, this has to be like a deep fake or something. This has got to be, I swear this is a deep fake. Um, but like I said, it is, she is actually pregnant, real life. Congratulations. But this is a terrible way to like go about it. 
this is the absolute worst because if you're alluding to Ric Flair being the father, that opens a whole lot of can of worms for future programs that like you don't want to go into. Like, I still don't know if Kurt, if Jason Jordan's Kurt Angle's actual son. That, that was a thing that happened. You didn't explain it. Like, what is that? This just feels very rushed. Like, I understand, again, pregnancies are kind of unexpected, but also like planned, you know? But again, this just felt creative wise. Like, they're like, okay, she's got to get written off TV. It was Ric Flair. You just, you, you can't just say like, I'm not wrestling because I'm pregnant. You don't have to have Ric Flair, like strut around and say, call me daddy. This isn't, that's not, that's not cool. It's like a 30 year, there's like a 30 year age difference. I don't, I don't need to think about that. But um, I should have, we should have known that something was up with the Valentine's Day promo. We should have known after you said like bite me or something, we should have known that something was up. It's just, and the, the craziest thing about it is nobody benefited from that whole segment. Charlotte didn't benefit from it. Asuka, who's the Raw Women's Champion, in case you forgot, doesn't benefit at all. She's just sitting there looking like a dope because the Ric Flair, Charlotte Flair thing is still going on. Peyton Royce, I think, ended up taking the pin or something. I don't even know. Did the match just end? Did she get this, is, this is what happened, JP. So she was tagged in. She said she was pregnant. Her theme music plays, and that's the end of the segment. So it was probably a no contest. I don't know. So here's the thing, right? So here's the thing. So Asuka was supposed to wrestle Lacey Evans at the chamber for the Raw Women's title. That was the match set up. Uh, and obviously, so obviously that's not going to happen anymore. And looking at the updated match card, which we'll, again, we'll talk about in our predictions, it says that it's Asuka versus TBA. So it, apparently she's going to face someone. Um, and as part of the predictions episode, we're going to be predicting who she'll face. And if she'll win against it, I have an idea of maybe who it will be. Um, but yeah, this whole segment was, uh, it was saved by real life things it was saved because it was saved by that she's actually pregnant i thought that her being pregnant was part of the story i was about to lose it so hopefully let's be honest here and obviously i i don't like when kind of wrestlers are part of storylines and they just stop i'm hoping this stops after this um <laughs> i'm hoping that because she is pregnant again the birth of life brings a lot of things good to people and possibly one of those things is the stoppage of the storyline. So I, I'm hoping that they move on from this. Because let's be honest here, since she is not in the match anymore, I had the feeling that maybe she would honestly beat Asuka to set up Charlotte Flair and Lacey Evans at WrestleMania. Um, and I don't want to see that. Not because Lacey Evans is bad. Again, it's because the storyline is just so stupid. It's just so lazy. Like if, they um, stop, if they stop the whole uh, story now, what does that? Where does that leave Rick and Charlotte Flair? Are they just like, are we cool now? We, we no clue. Kumbaya. No clue. But like, where do you go from here? Where do you go from here? Is this? It's that the looming question is: Is Rick Flair the dad? Which? Oh my god! The fact that we're talking about this is just is absolutely you know just insane. But that that's the looming question. 
let's just move on. Honestly, I'm tired of talking about this. Wrestling has melted my brain. I don't know. Yeah, I'm done talking about this. So we go backstage, and the Miz is talking to Adam Pierce, and he says, "You should give my spot to a young up and coming superstar who needs the spotlight." I have an idea, John Morrison. Um, and then Adam Pierce says, uh, yeah, I'll think about it. And then we we fast forward a little later to where the New Day, which is obviously in Raw, it's Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. They're talking to to Adam Pierce saying, are you really going to consider John Morrison? You won former WWE champions. I'm a former WWE champion. You should put me in the match. We can do Kofi Mania too. Um, and then the Miz kind of cuts in and says, you're really not thinking about putting him in, right? You should put John Morrison. Morrison never won the WWE Championship, but he then he, Ash, that was a funny callback. Miz says, yeah, but he's a former ECW champion, so I think that counts. That that was great. Um, so then Adam Pierce says, so, so, okay, so listen, this is how we'll decide it. You fight for John Morrison tonight. If you if you beat Kofi Kingston, Morrison is in. Kofi, if you beat Miz, you're in the, you're in the chamber match. So then they have a match, and unless I'm missing any matches, I thought this match was, I thought this match was probably match of the night. Um, by default, I, I mean, um, as you know, I, I shouldn't say that because actually the gauntlet matches later tonight, but this was still a really good entertaining match. Obviously these guys have been doing it for years. They're pros. They've done it. Uh, it ends up being Kofi Kingston beating the Miz, um, to, to have a spot inside the elimination chamber, replacing the Miz. So now he is in Kofi Mania two could possibly happen. There's been talks that maybe we'll see something of the sorts of, uh, Mustafa Ali ruining this for him, obviously, because it's kind of like, you know, a callback or whatever. So, JP, um, what did you think of this match? And two, what do you think of Kofi Kingston being in the Elimination Chamber match? Um, I thought it was a very good match. Um, I don't think they've had a bad match since, like, 2008 or 2007 or something. Like, every time they're in the ring, it's going to be good to great. That's what you expect from guys like Kofi Kingston and The Miz. Um, I really enjoy that Kofi's in the match, you know, I kind of felt bad that he was left out because he is a former WWE champion as much as like, which we try or WWE tries to say like, uh, we all know, like Kofi Mania was one of the greatest runs to a title in WWE history in terms of how the fans got behind him. Um, personally, 100% biased. I wouldn't mind seeing Kofi Mania too. Give me Kofi versus Drew. I think that'd be a fire match. But again, it opens up so many possibilities with the New Day versus Retribution. You know, because you did say, like, Mustafa Ali could interrupt and, like, beat him up and take his spot. So you never know what's going to happen. I think it opens up more possibilities for the story. And it opens up more possibilities, I guess, logic-wise. Because, again, it'd be weird if John Morrison was in the match when the whole thing was it's all former WWE champions and you have a former WWE champion who's not in the match, but John Morrison, although ECW champion respect to that, not WWE champion. It'd just be weird to leave him out, especially if the Miz is out. Yeah. Um, and listen, who knows? I mean, again, the whole talk is like, you know, just because of the whole Mustafa Ali retribution, new day thing that's going on. Mustafa Ali could take the place of, on Sunday, and that could be kind of like you know, retro, re, uh, no pun intended, retribution for what happened, you know, a couple a couple of years ago. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Obviously, I want to see Kofi in the match. To be honest, I I don't think I think either way. I think it's kind of a it would almost be a missed opportunity if they didn't have retribution even talk about this. I felt like Mustafa Ali he wasn't even on the on the Raw show this past Monday, 
Uh, and I don't think he's commented on it. I feel like that he has to. I mean, it's such a callback that I, I don't, it would be kind of weird if he didn't. Um, but that's what happens there. So we have Alexa Bliss now. We see her in the funhouse. And she is basically, she says a lot of kind of nursery rhyme, some rhyming sort of stuff. Um, and then she's, we, we see her kind of say that he will be reborn. The camera kind of pans up, and she's in a pentagram, satanic circle sort of thing. Um, I was just about to do that. Um, yeah, get away from me. And I, I forgot what she did afterwards. She did, like, this crazy, like, not like a face thing, but she, I, it was just weird. It, again, Alexa Bliss is, um, for better or for worse, he, she's killing this role. Um, Absolutely killing it. But I did need to douse my TV in holy water after that because, like, <laughs> I was terrified. She's just sitting there laughing in a pentagram. What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> yeah, and again, I, the fiend. I don't know. I don't know what he's gonna come back as. Um, because I, because spoiler, I think he's gonna maybe you know sabotage Randy Orton. Um, but he might come back better than ever. And I'm Randy Orton should uh already dig his own grave maybe because I don't know what's going to happen here. She's in a satanic circle. You better watch out, brother. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Into a pit of fire. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's no, yeah that. He's going to throw Randy Orton into a volcano. And that is the end of Randy Orton. Yeah. Poor Randy Orton. Back in the inferno match. There you go. Um, afterwards we get Lana versus Shayna Baszler. Lana beat Nia Jax in a tables match, which um, a fun match, I guess. I mean, she that was a, that was the match where you know um, Nia Jax uh, screamed screamed something, which I can't remember because I, I haven't heard it since then. Um, but yeah, so they have a match pretty quick. I mean, we, again, we see a couple of bits of fury from Lana, but you know, the Queen of Space, she just kind of goes to her work, does his normal stuff. You know, does the joint manipulation thing. I I get. Qu- Queasy. It's it's kind of the, the normal thing when I watch Shayna Baszler. Um, we, we also see also like uh, Nia Jax assault Nomi on, on the outside. Uh, and they kind of go back and forth with each other as well. Lana rolls up, you know, Baszler for, for you know, the near fall. Um, gets her in the Karafuda clutch and that's, it's, you know, the match is over. Um, and that's, and that's pretty much it. I mean, let's see here. Um, let me ask you a question. Because Lana and Naomi were the number one contenders, right? For the Raw Tag Team titles. Mm-hmm. Not the Raw Tag they're just the Women's Tag Team titles. Um, did they ever fight for the titles or no? Mm-mm. So, now, okay. When we, when we get to SmackDown then... then <laughs> I, see, wait a minute. I, see, I, I see it turning. I just, I literally just thought that right now. Uh, whatever. Okay, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, <laughs> when we get to SmackDown, we'll talk about it. But they're supposed. They're supposedly. No, they're not. No, no, no. We're moving. Allegedly, 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 they're the number one contenders. Let's move on. The Gauntlet match is next. There's like an hour left of the show, so this is gonna be the whole uh, first part here. Um, we have AJ Styles come to the ring um, with Omos. Obviously, uh, it's and also because that. Kofi Kingston just got a spot in the Elimination Chamber. He has to be in this gauntlet match. It's AJ and Kofi starting. Um, Almost is obviously out there. It comes to a moment where AJ Styles tells Almost that he should have grits with M&Ms, I think he said. Um, that's some Georgian cuisine, if I ever heard of it. Um, 
but he pretty much says like you know that I'm uh, that I'm gonna win this match. There's no question about it. I'm I'm the best. You know the kind of normal heel stuff. So him and kind of go at it. Um, and Kofi Kingston, the um, AJ targets the knee of Kofi Kingston throughout the match. Uh, it seems that every match that Kofi Kingston is in, he always targets the knee, whether it be Jeff Hardy, whether it be anybody. Um, but you know, again, pretty good showing here. Spoiler alert, pretty much every match I would say in this gauntlet sort of thing is was pretty great. Uh, and obviously, these two, I mean, I never would have thought of these two, two going at it, and it's but it, it was awesome. Um, so, but at the end there, it's Kingston falling prey to a phenomenal forearm and styles kind of, you know, goes on and we get McIntyre after that. So, I mean, really quick, JP, JP, what did you think of this little spat between uh, Styles and Kofi Kingston? Um, I liked it, you know, it's two of the best in the world. Um, Kofi's definitely really good at selling the knee injury. Um, having been put in the figure four by Miz earlier in the night, I thought it was going to end in a calf crusher because I thought that made the most, most sense. But... AJ getting the win here is a smart thing to do because, you know, Kofi did just have a match like a few minutes before. Um, almost choked slam Xavier Woods into the nether realm. I haven't seen Xavier Woods since. Um, he's probably on a uh, MIA poster. If anybody sees Xavier, let him know that Kofi misses him and he wants to see him at Elimination Chamber. But, you know, it was pretty fun. I mean, you really, it's what you expect from those two guys. And it's a great start to the um, gauntlet match. Yeah. And, and, and kind of like you said, with the whole calf crush thing, I guess they didn't want anybody to tap out. I guess, you know, I feel like, I feel like everybody knows that tapping out is probably worse than just kind of getting a pinfall, I guess. So I guess that's probably why maybe I, I would not be surprised if at the chamber match, he does tap out to the calf crusher. Or, I mean, if he's, if he is in the match by Sunday, who knows? But, um, but then afterwards, Drew McIntyre comes out. These two, I mean, Drew McIntyre, just dominates uh, the first part of this one when he comes out and faces AJ Styles. Um, but these two kind of have a really good match. It's kind of the match we were, um, you know, we obviously got the TLC match, but we really haven't seen a true singles match between these two guys. But it, it comes out to the point where um, AJ, AJ Styles takes a claimer kick right to the face. McIntyre wins. I'm, pro- I'm probably going to roll by uh, all of these so we can kind of save some time here. Uh, Jeff Hardy comes out um, where we see kind of Jeff Hardy and Drew McIntyre, which, by the way, I mean, I did not expect at all. I did not even think of these two kind of being in a singles match. I don't know why. It's just kind of weird for me. Those two come out. Uh, it ends up Jeff Hardy gets eliminated. That was a, that was one of the quicker spots in this gauntlet match, but it was kind of a cool back and forth that they said, you know, it was a future shock DDT, and then it was a it was a, a big suplex afterwards, he, but he, then he got the Claymore, and, and that was pretty much it for him. Um, and then Randy Orton comes into the ring. Um and pretty much, you know, before this, Randy Orton kind of kind of promo saying, like, you know, I have unfinished business with Drew McIntyre. And everybody's saying, oh, God, the sixth, seventh time we're going to be seeing this. But really, they, they kind of go back and forth for a little bit until we go outside. He goes outside, and the, the whole Thunderdome kind of shuts off a little bit. Every single screen that, you know, obviously when the fans are there, every single screen is Alexa Bliss laughing. And, and, and it's, it's red lighting. And then, you know, we hear the bell ring. <laughs> JP, we hear the bell ring. And then they say, you know, Drew McIntyre is the winner by count out uh, because, you know, he got counted out. So but I'll stop here, JP. JP, what did you think of that part of, of, of the gauntlet match? No, the Thunderdome production must be run by six-year-olds because this happens like every week. <laughs> every week, Alexa Bliss takes over the Titantrons 
And I wonder, Adam Pierce must be like, dog, who, why do we hire these guys? <laughs> but, you know, it's a great way to keep Alexa Bliss involved in the feud. Um, it's a great way to keep the Fiend still in the back of Randy Orton's mind. You know, he's still chasing the title, but he has to keep looking over his shoulder because the Fiend will snap his neck. But, um, you know, I thought it was uh, crazy. Crazy Bliss is honestly a amazing character. I think this is some of her best work, and she's barely even wrestling. So hat props to her, because I am mortified every time she enters a ring or is on Titantron or laughing in a pentagram or drooling blood or whatever that black ooze was a few weeks back. It's mortifying, but I watch every time. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, and when this happened, I was, again, freaked out. The fact that every single screen was Alexa Bliss's face was just absolutely haunting. So, but he gets counted out. Sheamus comes to the ring. I mean, Drew McIntyre has already been through a couple guys here. He's worn out. Sheamus comes to the ring. He tacks him on the outside. The bell doesn't even ring yet. He brings him back in, into the ring. The bell, you know, ding, ding, ding. The match starts. Uh, Sheamus pretty much punishes him for the for for the majority of this, but McIntyre tries to kind of get back there with a Glasgow kiss. Yeah. He does a future shock on Sheamus. Uh, there's a suplex, but then Sheamus, I mean, pretty quick sort of thing here. Sheamus hits him with a bro kick and pins Drew McIntyre. When was the last time Drew McIntyre got pinned? I don't remember, but he pins him one, two, three. Sheamus is the winner. And then Sheamus afterwards pretty much says like, you know, I, you know, this is not surprising. At Elimination Chamber, I'm going to prove that this wasn't a fluke. I'm going to become the new WWE champion, and I'm going to show Drew McIntyre who, you know, um, who's the better out of the two of us. Uh, and that's the end of the show. Drew McIntyre looks defeated. He still has the title there, but he looks defeated. Uh, JP, thoughts on the whole gauntlet match and Sheamus pinning Drew McIntyre at the end there? I honestly like the gauntlet match. You know, it had the great wrestling. Uh, one moment that stuck out to me was Jeff Hardy got destroyed by the Claymore. Like, he just, I thought he kicked face paint off of him. But um, I thought it made Drew look really strong, which is important because they're booking this to be, like, one of Drew's biggest challenges facing every former WWE champion. So it's making Drew look strong while also having Sheamus get the upper hand because he came out later. He's coming out fresher. and makes sense. Um, I enjoy that Sheamus got the pin. It probably means that Sheamus won't get the pin at Elimination Chamber. But... It creates a lot of heat for him going into it because he has the momentum. He just pinned the WWE champion. Yeah, right. Um, and I pretty much on the same boat with you. I thought this was an honestly a really good gauntlet match. It was very entertaining. Um, honestly, made me a little bit more because excited um, to watch the chamber match. I wouldn't say I was I was totally hyped for the chamber match. I mean, um, but going after this, I'm I'm excited to hopefully that they'll put on a good show and we'll see. I mean. There should be a predictable winner um, in this one, but maybe, you know, we'll see about Sheamus. I don't know, because obviously they're setting up those two guys, and we'll see how that kind of transpires. But that's Raw. Um, you know, up and down show, like usual, there's always the highs. There, are, You know, there's always lows. Uh, Lacey Evans um, and that whole storyline, obviously, is a, is a big kind of shout-out there. But um, another, another eventful night of Raw, that's for damn sure. So we move on to NXT. NXT coming off of a insane NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day once again. If you want to hear our thoughts on the event, it's our last episode. Give it a listen. Um, it was obviously a crazy event, and the way it opens is Kyle O'Reilly after he got super kicked in the face by Adam Cole, and he wants answers. He comes out to the ring and says, listen, 
I no no more sugarcoating it. I need Adam Cole to come out here right now and tell me what 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 he did, why he did it. Um, it may, it may end up with me punching him in the face, but I need to know it and I'll, I'll let him. I'll, I'll let him talk because he's my brother still, and I need to hear why he did what he did. We hear that we hear the undisputed era theme music. By the way, he didn't come out to the undisputed era theme music. The show started. He went to the ring. Um. Uh, and the music hits, but it's not Adam Cole, it's Roger Strong. Roger Strong pretty much says, like, you know, he's like the middleman in this. Again, he was the middleman at, at Vengeance Day. He's the same thing here. He pretty much says, like, you know, Adam Cole, we know he regrets it. Listen, he's our buddy. Undisputed Era means a lot to all of us. Um, but Kyle O'Reilly says, like, listen, man, I'm not, I don't want to hear it from you. I want to hear it from Adam. Where's Adam? And then Finn Balor music hits. He comes out and Kyle O'Reilly says, Finn, I don't want, listen, I don't want to talk to you. I need to talk to Adam. And then Finn Balor says, well, you got to get in line. You know, I'm trying to do an accent there. Terrible. <laughs> um, he says, you got to get in line because I need to, I need answers too. He super kicked me in the face as well. Besides you, I need answers from him as well. So he comes down to the ring and Roger Strong goes face to face with Finn Balor and says, hey, he had nothing to do with this. So what, what's wrong with you? And they're kind of going, they're kind of looking at eyes at each other and who comes out. It's, it's, uh, only Lorcan and Danny Burke they attack those two guys. Uh, Pete Dunn comes out, attacks Kyle O'Reilly. Those two are kind of those teams are kind of going out with each other. Um, and that's pretty much the the opening segment there. So, uh, just to give my quick thoughts on this, because obviously, listen, after the events of Vengeance Day, I wanted to see how this would transpire. The night is not over when it comes to NXT, when it comes to Undisputed Era, how that's going on. So, they set up a match later that night. It's going to be Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch versus Kyle O'Reilly, Roger Strong, and Finn Balor in six-man tag action for the main event. Um, this opening segment uh, hurt me a lot. Not in a bad way. It just hurt me a lot because, I don't know, man. Kyle O'Reilly, I, I love Kyle O'Reilly, man. I think that what he's doing right now is just amazing work. And again, like it's great for him because now he's kind of getting back into that main light. You know, and this could mean a lot of great things for Kyle O'Reilly for the future. Uh, when, when it comes to the NXT title, we'll talk about that a little later, obviously. But um, it hurt me to watch the, the like, again, he just doesn't trust anybody. No one trusts anybody. Finn Balor, he thought he could trust Kyle O'Reilly and, and the Undisputed Era. Now he can't. He's having troubles with them. There's just so much intensity within these guys. I'm just like, hang my can't you guys get along, please? Um, but it was great. What did you think of this opening segment, JP? Um, it was real chaotic. And it was chaotic in a good way, but also chaotic in a bad way, you know? Um, like I said, the turmoil with the Undisputed Era and Finn Balor is top tier. This is going to lead to Adam, Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly somewhere down the line. I can't wait for that. It's going to be interesting to see how Roger Strong plays a factor in all this. Because like I said, he is the middleman. And also, Bobby Fish still has yet to return. We don't know what Bobby Fish is going to do. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly have been the main tag team for Undisputed Era for the pet for like every time they've been in the NXT. And even before they were NXT, Bobby, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly were the tag team. So it's going to be interesting to see him take sides. But it's felt chaotic because there's so much going on with this NXT title picture. Because... Pete Dunne is still in it, even though he lost. Still got Kyle O'Reilly. He's still got Adam Cole. Karrion Cross is around here somewhere. And then Finn Balor. It seems like a whole lot of people and not very much fleshing out of a pecking order of who's going to get next. And it creates for good. It also creates for bad because then you have all these people coming out at one time and it's just a whole lot for people to follow. So it kind of yeah. threw back on that. But 
again, the story they're telling with the Undisputed Era is very good. Yeah, I, I can agree there, especially how the the, the main event ends. Um, and it's kind of kind of clouded, like you said, of who's going to be challenging for the title. Obviously, they have time. Their pay-per-views are not every month. I mean, they kind of have to set it up a little bit, you know, kind of longer. Um, so we'll see. We'll definitely see how that transpires. After that, we were supposed to have Santos Escobar versus Karrion Cross. Um, did not happen. Uh, Santos Escobar thought that he you know he he doesn't need to show up. He he wants to show up at his own time. Well, William Regal says, "Well, listen, this match needs to happen next week. If it doesn't happen next week, you're stripped of your title uh, and suspended." So, uh, and I think Karrion Cross also cuts a little bit of a promo afterwards. Him and Scarlett kind of talking about Santos Escobar. Uh, it was actually announced, I think, like an hour before we started recording that William Regal tweeted saying, like, you know, this match is now going to be no DQ. Santos Escobar is in a lot of trouble here. Um, but I know you're excited about this match, so I know it didn't happen. But this match should be a banger, right? It's going to be an absolute banger. I'm so excited. They added no DQ. Karrion Cross is going to drop people on his neck. Um, I'm assuming that Santos Escobar is going to have Legado Del Fantasma with him. So it's going to be a factor. They're going to be factoring in that way. But... I'm excited, man. I can't wait to see it. I was excited to see it this week. I was kind of disappointed because there's like Santos Escobar was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do it today. And William Regal was like, okay, we'll do it next week. I thought Karrion Cross was going to hunt him down himself and drag him to the ring. But, <laughs> but you know, I'm really excited for this, especially because they're adding no DQ. It's going to be violent. Yeah, should be great. Uh, next up, we get actually a Dusty Cup semifinals rematch of Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon, who are in the finals. Obviously, lost to Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai versus Candice LeRae and Indy Harwell of the way. This pretty much was, uh, I mean, it kind of like, you know, again, their semifinals match in the Dusty Cup was really good. This match is pretty good as well. Uh, but this was kind of overshadowed by the fact, by the way, Jimmy, Johnny Gargano was on commentary for this one, and it was awesome. Johnny Gargano was great in his heel role. Um, but the, the actually cutting back to a white van in the parking lot outside um and it was very very, very odd and Johnny Gargano was like what's going on there and the second time it cut back he left commentary and went to check it out he goes to check it out he's near the van the van is like the van is like running it's 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 on so he kind of says Austin are you in there because Austin theory got updated by by um Dexter Loomis on takeover um so he checks it out, and we cut back to the match, and it's it looks like that the way are actually in control of the faces in this one. Um, but then uh, Johnny Gargano comes back with a with a man in his underwear and a, and something over his face. He takes off, and it's and it's Austin Theory. He's saved. Um, and then in you know Candice LeRae sees that she leaves the t- the, the the apron, um, goes to them and celebrates because she found it. And Andy Hartwell looks happy. But she gets rolled up, and then the faces win the match, and that's pretty much it. Um, ending is weird just because they found him, okay? I mean, then what was the point? I, I don't know. I guess, listen, I guess the point was that they wanted Kushida and Gargano to go at it one-on-one with no interference. That was kind of my thing. And if that's the point, then you worked. It worked. I have problems. It worked. I mean, me and JP have a problem. I think JP, that was his, that's his match of the year so far, and to me, that's my second match of the year so far. Um, I saw I got 4.75 stars from Dave Meltzer, um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's still, it's weird though. I mean, they found him. I thought that would be maybe like an overarching storyline. Then maybe we'll see Dexter Loomis in approach for the title. I honestly don't think Dexter Loomis even needs a title, but I mean, if they're going to do it, then I guess so. Um, what did you think of that ending? 
Um, I mean, it was fine. It was a fine match. The ending was again kind of weird because again, it makes you it makes the way kind of look like a bunch of dopes for like getting rolled up. But I guess they were happy to see Austin Theory, so they'll take that loss. But yeah, I think um, I actually honestly think they needed to keep to uh, send Austin Theory back to the way because it kind of take away from all the in ring and the storytelling everyone there because you have to play like Where's Waldo with Austin Theory and uh, Dexter Loomis each week. But it keeps Dexter Loomis in the title picture. It keeps him looming around Johnny Gargano without having to uh, keep Austin Theory off of TV. So I guess it works to have him back, but there's definitely going to be some more uh, crazy antics that Dexter Loomis is going to pull off. Yeah, absolutely. I, I pretty much agree there as well. Um, it, it was just kind of weird. Like, they, they just found him. But um, good move, I can move past that. It, it, was, it was a pretty solid match. Kind of, a, again, a weird ending in my opinion, but we move on. We actually cut to a promo of Pat McAfee in his private jet. Uh, we haven't seen Pat McAfee in a while, but he cuts a promo here saying, like, pretty much talking to the wrestling community saying, I told you, I told you guys, Adam Cole is a scumbag. So I want you to tweet out, hashtag Pat was right, because I was right. And he pretty much talks about that and um, never, doesn't really comment on, on if he'll be back in a ring or just back kind of like, with his guys, because obviously his guys are Pete Dunn and, and Lorcan and Birch. He doesn't really talk anything about that, but he just says like like tweet up as if he was right. Adam Cole, I told you guys that he was he was he was a bad guy. He's a scumbag, uh, and that's pretty much it. Do you, any brief thoughts on uh, hearing from Pat McAfee? Um, it was good to see Pat back, man. You know, um, there are some rumors that he gotten fired or something. He was talking about it on his radio show, but it's honestly, I'm honestly glad to see Pat McAfee back. You know, he provides. A little more comedy to that little faction that they have. I don't know what they're called. It might be for the brand or something. But I'm glad to see him at least on TV cutting promos because he's really good at that. He's really good at making people not like him. So (laughs) saying the internet wrestling community was funny because that's always the IWC. But it was, I'm glad to see him back on TV. You know, the whole Adam or, or Pat was right thing. It's classic heel stuff, but it was good to see him back. It was really, yeah, I, I thought it was great to him. Hopefully we see him back, um, you know, near those three guys. Cause I mean, I feel like he adds a lot to those, to that group. Um, definitely is like kind of like the mic of that group. So hopefully we see him back. But after that, um, we pretty much get a, a really match that they created between Isaiah Swerve Scott and Leon Ruff. Um, when you think about it, the, the styles are, are kind of similar. These guys are play a very fast-paced match. Uh, they could be high-flying when they want to be, but really they always try to gain the leverage on the ground, and that's pretty much all this mat- match was. Um, it was kind of odd. They were kind of saying that, you know, if Leon Ruff won this, it would be a kind of dog victory, which, I mean, I don't know. He's a former North American champion, but, I mean, it is what it is. These guys put on an awesome match, honestly, back and forth. It, you know, I wish they went on a little longer, if I'm being quite real with you. But, it, you know, again, I, I pretty much put on Twitter, like, these two guys are just so, so awesome. Uh, and those two in the ring together had really just created a lot of magic here. Um, but it ended up, the way he won was with a crucifix pin. Um, and it counts to one, two, three. Swerve Scott looks very surprised. He comes back up. He pretty much has his hand out for Leon Ruff to shake it. Leon Ruff does shake it, but he gets viciously attacked by Swerve Scott. Um, and that is pretty much 
how the segment ends. Uh, JP, if you got a chance to see the match, how what did you think? And you know, I guess that ending was, it was predictable, surprising. What do you think? I thought it was fun. I really like seeing Swerve Scott wrestle. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, I enjoy seeing Leon Ruff play the underdog. He's really good at getting beat up. I know that's a real like odd thing to say. He's really good at getting beat up and being the underdog. You know, he's very. I hate to say it like this, but he's very Johnny Gargano and Sami Zayn-ish in terms of being the ultimate underdog and making it look like, dang, I hate to see him get beat up like this. I think Swerve needed this to establish himself as a heel. You can't really establish yourself as a heel against Bronson Reed because the man is just 200 pounds larger than you. Um, I, I enjoy where they're going with Swerve as a heel. Um, they kind of alluded to, he kind of alluded to there being a conspiracy against him because he's never had a title shot for a North America title. And um, Leon Ruff came straight in and got the shots. So it's feeling a little a little heel Sami Zayn-ish. I want to see where they're going with this. But Swerve needed this to establish himself as a heel because that um, Death Valley driver he did into the turnbuckle, it wasn't even really a Death Valley driver into the turnbuckle. He just straight up just chucked him into the turnbuckle. And I was like, oh my God, he killed him. But he needed that as a heel. He needed to beat somebody up. And Leon Ruff is really good at getting beat up. Yeah, I mean, they fooled me because they gave Swerve Scott the entrance and they didn't give Leon Ruff an entrance at all. They just kind of said, oh, here's Leon Ruff in the ring. I'm like, oh, God, is he going to get squashed right now? No, I mean, they've done a good job of making him like that underdog that just kind of gets away. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing these two kind of go at it again if they got a longer time to kind of wrestle, and I, I wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, but afterwards, we get uh, Aaliyah and Jesse Kamea with Robert Stone versus Caden uh, Carter and Casey Super Spreader Cat Zero. Um, and then they have a match. And obviously in the background there, um, from last week, they confronted Zia Lee Boa in the mysterious figure that's with them. Um, pretty much saying like, you know, the Zia Lee we know is in there. We used to be friends, whatever. They're trying to get her out of it. Uh, they actually have a match, Casey Kenzer and Kane Carter, and I thought that was going to be like uh, an interference, but actually Carter and Kenzer actually pull off the win here. But afterwards, uh, Kenzer actually talks to talks to Lee Zia Lee, and she, she Zia Lee took her hand and marked it with like two black lines on like on the top of her hand, like right here, um, and she says, "I'm going to purge you." She says, "I'm going to purge you." That's what she said. Um, Casey Kenzero, um, I feel like that Zia Lee is going to, uh, smack the COVID out of her. Um, so, um, yeah, listen, so, <laughs> yeah, um, but what did you, what did you think of this? And I mean, I, and how long do you think Zia Lee is going to, uh, um, kill Casey Kenzero next week? That's my um, I mean, the match itself was meh. It was a match, you know. But I'm really enjoying what they're doing with Zia Lee and this whole, like, I guess, mini story that they're doing. Um, I think she is going to kick the crap out of Case Kenzaro, then proceed to kick the crap out of Caden Carter. Hopefully, what I want to see is a two-on-one handicap match. Kenzaro and Caden Carter against Zia Lee. I wanted to, like, tornado kick like two of them at the same time. So it's like, bing, bing, like you're hitting them with like uh, dominoes. But it was really, it's a really cool segment. Um, 
I really want to learn more about this whole thing with Boa uh, Tian Sha, who I still think is a dragon, and um, Zia Li, because it sounds really cool. They're really interesting. And that's what NXT is doing so well. They're making them interesting while also making it look like they could literally kill you. Yeah, I, I, and that's pretty much me too. Like I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm watching. I just need to see where this is, what the plans are for this. I mean, it seems like that. I, I don't. I doubt that this, this whole thing with Casey Cat Zero and King Car is gonna last past the next two weeks. Uh, if, if so, I mean, so I just want to know what they're doing with this. Are they, are they gonna reveal who this mysterious figure is? Like you said, the name already is it someone else that we may know of. Who knows? Um, that's pretty much what I'm looking. That's pretty much what I think is gonna happen a little there in the future. But we move on. And we actually, uh, before we get to the the Dusty Cup trophy celebration, we see uh, Kushida kind of looking being looked at by a doctor and someone you know, I, you know, a backstage. He's having a backstage interview and talking about how like you know, I'm not done with Jordy Gargano. I'm still kind of on the quest for the North American title. Who comes out? It's Bronson Reed, and he pretty much shows his respect. Like you know, you perform well out there, but you know. But I'm going for the North American title too, and it would be it would be a pleasure to kind of run into you or whatever. And he puts his hand out, and Kushida kind of like hesitantly shakes it back. He's kind of weirded out by that. He leaves. Uh, Bronson Reed does, and someone's on the newspaper. They put down the newspaper, and it's Malcolm Bivens. Uh, and he says, "You know, Kushida, I have a I have a great opponent for you for your first match after uh, Takeover. He, you know, Malcolm Bivens acting as the ultimate opportunist here. You know, um, obviously Kushida after that." crazy match he had against Jordan Gargano at TakeOver. He's, I have a perfect opponent for you um, later in the night. And obviously probably being Tyler Russ. We'll get to that a little later. Trophy celebration uh, for the Dusty Cup winners. Beth Phoenix is in there with the trophy. He bring it, She brings out MSK. And MSK, you know, obviously um, talks about kind of them winning, what it meant for them, obviously being kind of like new to NXT and stuff like that. Um, and pretty much says like, you know, on March 3rd, uh, we're going to take the tag team titles from Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. Um, and after that, brings in Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai, obviously being the first women to win the Women's Dusty Cup. They come in and they pretty much say, and listen, um, I'm not saying a face turn it happened. All I'm saying is that they came out to the ring and they were happy, you know, coming into the ring. MSK, like the gentlemen they are, they open the ropes for them. They come in the ring. Um, and the, you deserve the chance to come out. I mean, there's people there, they, they chant it and they say, you know, they kind of look at it like, like modest people, they come out, you know, um, and they talk about how, like, again, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna beat Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Who comes out? It's Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax at NXT with the t- world, you know, with the women's tag team titles, they come out and Shayna Baszler, get, you know, gets on the mic first and says like, you know, uh, looks at Dakota Kai and says, "Oh, Dakota, you know, you know, you've 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 really changed. You know, whatever. You're just, you know, you you're still the same uh, woman when I broke her arm." Uh, and Dakota Kai says, "Like, you know, I'm not the I'm not the same person I was that last time. Whatever. Um, except that I have her now, Raquel Gonzalez. And then who gets on the mic is it's Nia Jax, and she says, "Listen, um, forget you guys. I'm here to honor Dusty Rhodes." Because the first time that I met him, he said to me that I am a big, beautiful, badass bitch. Uh, and he was right. And then uh, Raquel Gonzalez says, all due respect to Dusty. Uh, and he's a legend in the business. But he's never met me. I thought that was great. I thought that was awesome. That was when they went. Cool 
I, th- I thought it was great. So they leave. Uh, I think so, a little, they talk a little bit more, but then they leave the champions. And then as soon as they're leaving, Raquel Gonzalez looks at the trophy with the boots and everything and says, hey, Naya, I'm going to shove that boot so far up your hole, you're not going to find it. Um, obviously, got to play the whole joke in there. Um, I Listen, I thought Raquel Gonzalez, again, like I say this every single week when we talk about NXT. She's a star. She's going to be a star. She's destined for an NXT women's title run. Her and Dakota Kai all get, you know, obviously we always, maybe Raquel Gonzalez gets a lot of the spotlight, but Dakota Kai is doing great as well, obviously, in, in that tag team. JP, what did you think of this segment? I honestly really like this segment. Um, it tells the story of Dakota Kai and Shannon Baszler, you know, having that previous interactions before. Um, it sets up two powerhouses for competing against each other. And like I said, it kind of alludes to a face turn for Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Um, I think obviously they'd be the faces because I think Nia and Shayna were the best as heels. But this is a match I'm honestly kind of excited for. You know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really good match. Um, MSK and Beth Phoenix really stood out to me during this uh, segment because they played up every line so wonderfully. Just chomping on the popcorn. Um, after Raquel said a line about the hole, um, I think it was Wesley was on the floor like convulsing in popcorn and they like resuscitate them. It was so funny. I honestly, MSK is great. They can do comedy. They can be serious. Beth Phoenix playing off them was awesome. Um, I did feel like the whole line was kind of forced, especially at the end. When you throw it in at the end, it feels kind of like, oh, hey, we forgot about this. Say that then. But it was honestly a really good segment. I really liked it. Yeah. And I'm looking at this Bleacher Report recap and they gave it a D. Whoever wrote that, you probably like the Shaq stuff in AEW. That's all I'm saying. Um, but no, listen, I thought it was great stuff. Listen, I think I, I never thought I would be excited for it, but seeing Raquel Gonzalez against Nia Jax is something that I'm actually looking forward to. I, I, I can't wait for it. Uh, after that, we get Kushida versus Tyler Rust with Malcolm Bivens. Once again, man, uh, surprisingly, I, I shouldn't really even say surprisingly because it was a really good match between these two. Um, I was scared that this was going to be maybe a squash match for, for Kushida. It, uh, it definitely wasn't the Tyler Russ. I mean, obviously Kushida was a little hurt, you know, a little hurt, but um, Tyler Russ uh, just showed why, you know, he's, he's one of those future stars for NXT and having Malcolm Bivens with him is great. Um, these two kind of go at it, but there's not, there's not a clear finish here. Kushida um, puts um, Rust in the hoverboard lock, but he doesn't tap out. It's actually um, Malcolm Bivens kind of throwing in the towel or pretty much telling the ref to stop. And afterwards, you know, um, Tyler Rust is like, I could have had him. I could have had him. He doesn't really act that angry. He just says, I could have had him. Um, But uh, Malcolm Bivens says, I had to protect my investment. So Tyler Rust loses... I guess technically by submission or just by whatever. Uh, JP, what did you think of this match and what did you think of that finish? Tyler Russ continues to impress me. He looked great against um, Bronson Reed. He looked great against Bushida. The more he faces those upper level guys, the more we'll see sort of his wrestling stand out. I think adding Malcolm Bivens to him as a manager makes him even more compelling because the story that they're telling with Malcolm Bivens and Tyler Russ, like he sees him as a very serious investment. He wouldn't have let him like break his arm and like tap if he didn't feel that way. So I enjoy that they're like saying like, hey, Malcolm was like, hey, I'm throwing it in. We'll live to fight another day. We just gotta keep getting better. 
that's what you're supposed to do as like a manager. You're supposed to manage the person, look out for their well-being. It, like I said, it was a really great match. Kushida, once again, gets the win. Um, I'm curious to see what they do with him here. Do they let him go for the world title or the NXT title? Do they go for the North American title? It honestly just depends. I think he can do either. I think he can have great matches both ways. But another very good match for Tyler Rust. Completely agree. And again, uh, Tyler Rust, I mean, again, there was never really a rough part of this match. It was mostly smooth overall. And again, I, the, the thing about NXT that I like that obviously is so much superior than Monday Night Raw and is that pretty much every match always has, it's always meaningful. You know, there's never really anything that feels anything wasted. So when you have a thing like Tyler Rust and, and Kushida, it just benefits both of them. Kushida gets back on track with a win. Tyler Rust looks strong and the finish pretty much savors that. You know, he doesn't tap out. So I think it's some great stuff there. Afterwards, we get Zoe Stark in action. She faces Valentina Veras, and she just wipes the floor of Valentina Veras, and that's pretty much it. Like, it, it was actually, I mean, it's just a standard squash match, but she looks uh, more, more impressive than how a squash match should make you look, and that's saying a lot. Uh, just decimates her. I mean, a, any brief thoughts on Zoe Stark uh, in the squash match? Her finisher, that cartwheel into the GTS? is one of the most creative looking moves I've ever seen. One. And two is one of the most lethal looking moves in the WWE right now. It looks so cool. You're getting flipped into a knee going straight into your face. It is awesome. I'm excited to see what they do with her from here because she can be a major player in the division because she has that finisher. It's like, um, I don't want to say she's going to be exactly like this person, but Baron Corbin with the end of days and nobody's kicked out of it. This can be the same thing because that finisher is awesome. No, listen, I I can't see anybody kicking out of that. Again, that, that was one of the major things that I, I mean, I, I think I put that on, on Twitter, on the account saying like, again, that, that finisher just looks absolutely brutal. Again, it's like a variation of GTS. I don't know what the official name is, but like, it just looks absolutely brutal. Um, but we move on to the main, again, six man tag match, Pete Dunn, Oni Lorcan and Denny Birch versus Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roger Strong. This match pretty much starts off uh, with Kyle O'Reilly. Be, uh, I think Danny Birch were only looking for one of those two guys. But he it comes to a point where he still doesn't, because we also get a little clip earlier in the night of Kyle O'Reilly and Roger Strong talking outside. It wasn't a friendly conversation. There wasn't any fighter. There wasn't any like physical interactions or anything. They were just kind of like one person just doesn't trust the other. They, they don't know what to think anymore. So Adam Cole. So it comes to a point where Kyle Riley, you know, uh, you know, grabs one, you know, I think it's Danny Birch or Oni Lurkin to, to his corner, and they're both asking for a tag, uh, Strong and Balor. He tags in Balor. Those two tag in multiple times. Um, I think the, the way that Strong gets into the match is he has to tag in on somebody. Um, but this was awesome. I thought this was a great main event. Again, um, there's so much at stake here because you don't know what's going to happen here when it comes to, you know, the, the relationship between Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. So let's go ahead. I'm going to skip to the end here because this ending is absolutely bonkers. Um, it comes to a point where I think it's Danny Birch. He's trying to like, um, he's fighting with the ref with the NXT title. And uh, Pete Dunne is trying to stop it, but, but Finn Balor does that, does that shotgun kick. 
um, which not which wipes out Pete Dunn, uh, Danny Birch, and the ref. He goes up to the top to the turnbuckle to do the coup de gras. Who comes out? It's Adam Cole pushes Finn Balor off, and Kyle O'Reilly. Um, actually, before I hate to stop it there, a really good spot in this match was was it was a little earlier where it was uh, Kyle O'Reilly on the apron and he was gonna do like that one of those like one of those kicks to the face to like I think it was Oni Lorkin, but he ducks it, he jumps on Pete Dunn and Pete Dunn just like forearms him right in the face, which just wipes him out. That was a cool spot. But Kyle O'Reilly is on the outside with Adam Cole, and he and he. Kyle O'Reilly just looks at him, whatever. But Adam Cole does a bicycle kick to the face of Kyle O'Reilly. And then during this match, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, they took off the steel steps to expose that bottom part. And so, so Adam Cole sees that and he, and he does a brain buster on Kyle O'Reilly on the steps. It was a brutal spot, an amazing spot. It was brutal. And obviously we'll talk about what this caused a little later in the controversy that happened there it was just insane. Um, but after that, he leaves, he pretty much leaves. He looks at that. Um, and we get back into the ring and we get Roger strong taking the title from, from either Danny Burke or Oni Lorcan. He tries to give it back to Finn Balor, who's starting to get up. And with just an instinct, doesn't look at, he does a pale kick on Roger strong. Get he's out of the ring. This is insane. Um, so he, he's, he's there now, but then he turns around and there's Pete Dunn for the bitter ending for the one, two, three, Pete Dunn pins Finn Balor. Uh, Finn Balor starts to get back up, takes a super kick to the face from uh, Adam Cole. Adam Cole's back in the ring. He looks down at Kyle O'Reilly's body, back to Finn Balor. He gets the title. He looks at it, and he raises it up, and that's the end of the show. So before we get to the whole thing with Kyle O'Reilly, JP, what did you think of this chaotic ending? Um, chaos. It was amazing. You know, Adam Cole is really good at what he does. He makes everything look really cool. Um, I like that they added Finn Balor kicking Roger Strong just out of instinct. It really adds into that thing where nobody can trust anyone, you know? Um, so Roderick is going to help. He's just trying to help. He gets a foot to the face. Um, and that really kind of helps, like, the whole thing with Roger Strong kind of being the middleman, you know? Because he's trying to help both people. He ends up getting the brunt of the blows. Um, Pete Dunn getting the win here. You kind of expected it, but it does keep Pete Dunn the title picture because he pinned the NXT champion. What this means for WrestleMania, I have no clue. They're going to have to sort that out if they're going to have the NXT title on WrestleMania. It's going to have to get sorted out soon because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but Adam Cole really shined in this because he looked a lot. It wasn't more like sniveling heel who like attacks when nobody expects it it was like he's out for revenge he's out for blood so i really like seeing that adam cole and the whole idea of nobody trusting anyone so adam cole put on his twitter actually today saying that he's going to explain everything uh of what he did next wednesday's nxt so gonna be a must watch there so what happened afterwards um because there's a lot of controversy happening with kyle o'reilly afterwards where there was a picture from a fan who attended saying that he suffered a seizure um, afterwards. And if you didn't know, Kyle, uh, Kyle Riley does have diabetes. Sometimes that could be the result of it, maybe, is a seizure, um, which could be very serious, obviously. So people so – he, and he was taken out by a stretcher, which, again, like the stretcher wasn't the concern. It was the seizure part of it. Um, 
so that was going around and me when i heard that um i was i wasn't i was like staying up the whole night to see like what's what's the update here what's going on here because again it was that one fan that said that he suffered a seizure um but then Ryan Satan later that night, it was pretty late at night, said, like, I, I, according to WB sources, it's all part of the storyline. There, there was no, he did not suffer a seizure. Uh, the injury is part of the storyline. Um, and that, that's pretty much what happened. So, uh, a lot of things was happening here. Like, how could WWE do this? Um, that's it to me, it's stupid if you think that, in my opinion, just because. Uh, the reason why the whole concern started, including me, I was I was very concerned, was because of the seizure part. There was no no clue. There was no absolutely like sign that he was going. He was doing that for the act. It was we've seen the stretcher gimmick before. It's 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 been done time and time and time and time again, and it won't stop either. So it was all part of the story. Uh, JP, any thoughts on that? Um, any or did you? I don't know. It, what, what, just overall thoughts on that. Um, so I went to sleep and I saw that everybody's saying like prayers up for Kyle, I'm looking out for you, Kyle. Um, seeing stuff about Kyle Riley having a seizure, I'm like, what? This is crazy. So I go to sleep, you know, thinking like, man, I hope Kyle's okay. Wake up next day and it's like, oh no, he's cool. It was just a, it was just like planned. It's not like a planned seizure, but like he got taken off on a stretcher, and I'm just like, how did you go from like seizure to like, no, it's just a work. It's like a whole thing because there was something about Adam Cole running out there to him, making sure he was okay. I don't know if that was true or not. I don't know if that's a part of the story, but I really was like, nobody had any clue. And it kind of, excuse me, it kind of solidifies why you can't really run with the things that fans post, especially at uh, events, because they can say, oh, he's having a seizure. And then like the next day or a few hours later, it's like, no, he really didn't. It's fine. So, you know, it was refreshing to see everybody kind of look out for him and say, like, hey, we're looking out for you. But at the same time, like, man, you really shouldn't, like, run with everything you see on the internet, especially from a fan post. You got to wait till, like, Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful or Ryan Satan, like, says, like, like you said, oh, he didn't have a seizure. You can't really run with that um, from a fan post. Absolutely. Um, and really, there was no, he really didn't describe, the fan didn't really describe what he saw. It was just like an Instagram story post or something like that. Um, but again, I think the reason why he did say this because again, Kyle Riley, I mean, I, I don't know if he's had seizures in the past, but again, he has, does have diabetes and that could be one of the results there. So it was concerning, excuse me, but I hopefully, thank God everything is okay. It's part of the work. And again, people that are trying to find a way to blame WWE on this, there really is no reason. Uh, it's all part of the story that he is injured. Uh, it's all work. And they're saying that, listen, they're saying that Kyle O'Reilly is one of the best sellers in WWE. So the fact that he did get that reaction is maybe all credit to him, you know? Um, but again, it was a pretty nasty spot that he took with the Brain Buster. It was absolutely incredible. But that's the NXT, another good show there. Uh, we move on to AEW Dynamite. Just kind of re- actually rewatch this Um or excuse me, watch this actually today um, to kind of get ready for this spot here. So the way we actually start off with this is actually Hangman Page and Matt Hardy versus, uh, you know, the Hybrid 2. Um, a pretty fine match between these four guys, I would say. Um, but afterwards is really where the whole thing kind of goes here. 
Um, we, we, we almost see kind of, again, like Matt Hardy taking the credit for the win, uh, kind of like he did a, a week or two before that, um, where it was, um, Matt Hardy, you know, after the buckshot lariat, uh, he t- tagged himself in, did the twist of fate and, and big money Matt scores the win there. Afterwards, you know, they were talking about the contract that Matt Hardy made Paige sign because he was drunk. Um, and he said, Matt, and Hammond Page says, oh, do you, do, do you not know what the contract really had? Uh, he says, we talked about, so he says, and then we bring up my, my team of lawyers or whatever. It's just, a, it's, it's a Jacksonville Jaguars mascot coming out, um, with a contract. I know JP's happy about that because Jaguars favorite team. He, he comes out and, uh, he's like, <laughs> the mascot's dancing and he gives Matt Hardy the contract. Um, and it pretty much says that he gets, uh, kind of like all of his earnings, all of Matt Hardy's earnings or whatever, but, so they they do they so they actually um initiate a match. The match says it's gonna be Matt Hardy and Hangman Page at Revolution on March seventh. Whoever wins gets the opponents a hundred percent of their quarter one earnings. So it's a money match, pretty much. There's Jewel making our first appearance, yelling a cell. Hello, uh, this is Jewel making our first appearance on yelling a cell. Shout out, say hi. Hi. All right, come on. That's that's rare, guys. If you're if you're watching this, that is a rare signing we just heard. So that's great. So again, future women's champion, Jewel Avery. Future women's champion. There we go. Um, but no, but yeah. Um, so again, it's a money match at Revolution. So JP, thoughts on the match, and more so thoughts on this match they're they're setting up for Revolution. I absolutely love this segment. I love <laughs> everything about it. I have so many questions. I have so many thoughts about it. But I'll sum it up quickly. Um. First off, I want to see Jacksonville in a rest in an AEW wrestling match. Tony Khan, get that to me ASAP. Jacksonville is all elite. You heard it here first. Um, I really enjoyed that they took this whole thing with Matt Hardy trying to recruit Hangman and like stealing his money. They turned it into a match at Revolution, where the winner gets all of their 2021 pay. They adds high stakes. But the one thing I loved about this most, and I tweeted it as soon as it happened. The Dark Order coming and helping Hangman was the sweetest moment ever. It was, it felt so amazing because everybody's like, oh my God, it's the Dark Order, they're helping him out. And he's like accepting their friendship, you know? And I'm like, oh man, this is going to lead to Hangman being a part of the Dark Order. And I can't wait. Like, I honestly, this is one of the best, like, not going to say like one of the best, like ever, but for AEW, this is one of the better long-term stories they have. And you know, it started with Brody Lee trying to recruit Hangman and then Hangman kind of being back and forth on his own and him coming into that and accepting like the Dark Order as his friends is going to be a really awesome story. I really loved this whole segment. The match was fine. Uh, the match was fine. I mean, it's what you expect, but everything after the match tied up all the loose ends that you really had. Yeah, and as JP kind of alluded to afterwards, um, it was... Um, in the mascot, it was actually Isaiah Kennedy of Private Party, and them along with THU was attacking Hangman Page, um, and that's when the Dark Order kind of came in. Brody Lee Jr. Negative One was there telling everybody again they can help. JP said, um, and Hangman Page looked at the Brody Lee's with some sort of acceptance, and then that was pretty much the end of that segment. Um, good stuff. Uh, again, the match. Am I excited for the match at Revolution? I don't know. Um, 
should be okay, I guess. I mean, Hangman Page, again, like you said, this whole thing that this is all for Hangman Page to be one of the big, bigger stars in AEW. Just kind of, kind of set up again. He's super young. He's a, he's a future star. If not, he already is a star. Absolutely. So uh, it's, a good, it's a good way to do that. Up next, we actually get the return of Riho in the Women's World Title Eliminator match against NWA Women's Champion Serena Deep. I honestly thought that this was uh, phenomenal. I thought this was a great match. Um, been going at it. It was it was a mix of being technical and them trying to each other. Uh, after I want to say it's I mean it's been a long time since Riho's been in the ring. I want to say like, I think they said eleven months. I want to say since she's been in some in an AW ring. I think she's been doing stuff in Japan. But uh, these two have a, have a very fine match. And again, it came to a point at the end of the match where it was an awesome transition of like who's going to get the pin on on each other. Um, but it culminated with a roll for Fariho, which gave her the win, and Serena Deep looked surprised. It wasn't like a clean, uh, single, like handedly victory for Serena Deep, but uh, it, she looked very strong in this match. And again, Riho, um, in her first match in AW match in such a long time, I thought it was very impressive. And again, I thought the match was really good. What did you think, JP, of this one? This is a great way to reintroduce Riho to the American crowd. Um, just have her go in there and do what she does best, which is wrestle. She did, it was an amazing job, like pay-per-view worthy match that we got on AEW Dynamite. Serena D was a godsend for this division. Um, I don't know if she's won a lot of matches, but what she's done is she's elevated the competition. She's elevated everybody else that she's been in the ring with. Rio didn't already need elevation, but both of them being in the same ring together, counter wrestling, counter holds, pins, all the pinning combinations, it was awesome to see. So it was a great way to reintroduce Rio. She's automatically one of the favorites to win the whole thing and face the Karoshida. So like I said, a phenomenal match from start to finish. Yeah, and also within this women's eliminator tournament, this means that she actually faces Thunder Rosa to be in the finals. Um which, or excuse me, the semifinals, which should be an absolute amazing match. However, I have a problem with this. Uh, I tweeted about this earlier today, actually. Tony Khan announced that this is going to be on this Sunday on a Bleacher Report sort of event. <sighs> so, again, the, the talk of AEW has mostly been the women's division um, and how... Again, there's talent there, but the acknowledgement of them is just kind of weird. It seems like they don't care about the women's division, which, I mean, I don't think is all true, but um, they don't really do themselves that justice. So we, I'm looking at the card next week for AEW, and one of the matches that is going on is Jake Hager versus Brandon Cutler on, on the Dynam Dynamite card, and not Thunder Rosa versus Riho. Oh, my God. So, and there's this other match that I, I that I forgot that's going on that I'm not interested in seeing as well. I mean, you have Moxley and Nemeth, which again, it's Moxley. So I, I understand him being on the card, but I forgot what the other match was. That was just, to me, it's like, I don't care if I'm being real. I do not care. I care about Thunder Rose and Riho. That's a, that could be a bomb ass match. Absolutely. It could be possibly the best match in that tournament. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Before I do that, I do want to share that they did a Japanese side of the tournament. Um, and whoever that is going to face the American sites to face Hikaru Shida at Revolution. Um, we'll see if I butcher the hell out of these names, but I just kind of wanted to tell you. And by the way, I don't, did you see the ring that those, that they were 
facing it's, each other? It's quite small, but I think, uh, you know, it's what you can do. Is do what you can do when we're, we're still in a pandemic. It looks so bad. Here's why. It wasn't even the rain. I mean, the rain's fine. It was It was just the presentation. It was just black curtains and an AEW side, and that was it. That was it. Um, but let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and read off the names here. So, okay. This is this is gonna be good. Yuka Sakazaki, yeah, beat beat May Suruga. Yuka Sakazaki um, on uh, AEW last year. She was she was one of the people who came Josie wrestlers who came over with Rio. So, okay, and then Emi Sakura beat Venny. Yep, she was also uh, around last year. I think she had a title match against Rio on Dynamite that was really good. Okay, and then Rio Mizu beat Maki Ito. Oh, I wanted Maki Ito to win so bad. She's she's hilarious on Twitter. Uh, she roasted Jim Cornette, which always gets a win in my book. Yeah, yeah, that pretty much for me as well. And then the final one, which by the way, I was looking kind of looking at these matches. I didn't watch the full matches, uh, but I saw like the highlights they put on on AW Dynamite. Uh, Aja Kong beat Reen Kadokura. And Asha Kong looks like a beast, and I want her to win the whole thing. She was in uh, AEW earlier last year with uh, Emi Sakura, Yu Sakazaki, and Rio. She is a beast. She is a pillar of women's Japanese wrestling. Um, I think at one point they were going to do Asia Kong, Asha Kong versus, um, I forgot her name already. Um, Asha Kong versus, uh, what's her name? She was in AEW. I can't believe I'm blanking on it. Uh, not Nyla Rose, but uh, I'll fi- I'll figure it out. I'll probably tweet it as soon as I figure it out. But dang, I can't believe I forgot her name. Uh, she was Karma in WWE. Oh, uh, oh, um, Awesome Kong is that her name? Yes, Awesome Kong versus Aja, Aja, Aja Kong. Awesome Kong. Whoa, versus- that would have been amazing. They were setting that up, but then pandemic happened. So. They're great. Um, honestly, I kind of think uh, I kind of think they're going to do uh, Aja Kong getting the win, either Aja Kong or Yuka Sakazaki, um, because they're already new. They're they're already known names for the American side, but I think Aja Kong versus Rio would set up the kind of big versus small that we know we don't normally get, and it'd be a fire match. I think Aja Kong versus Thunder Rosa would be awesome. Aja Kong versus Nyla Rose, immediately. Yes, need it. Britt Baker is still on the American side. It's really gonna, this tournament is really gonna show that AEW has some really good women's wrestlers. They do, but But why? I don't know. Thunder Rosa and Riho on a Bleacher Report stream on Sunday during Elimination Chamber is not a- Oh my God. You- you 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 have a great point. They're putting that match again. A match. I'm not saying to put that as the main event, but that's easily deserves a dynamite spot over Brandon Cutler and Jake Hager. No question about it. Um, and again, so the rest of the women's bragging on the American side. The two matches that are left in the first round are going to be on their AEW's YouTube channel on Monday. It's going to be Conti versus Nyla Rose, and then Brett Baker versus Anna J. Again, matches I'd rather see than some of the men's matches next week. That's that's all I'm saying. Um, so, 
And obviously, it's going to be Riho and Thunder Rosa on Thunder Sunday. Rosa so we'll see what happens. It's going to be a free stream. You can stream it free on Bleacher Report. If they would have had to pay for that, I mean, like nobody's going to watch if you get if you get the yeah. pay. But even having it free during Elimination Chamber, when you know most of the eyes are going to go towards the Elimination Chamber pay per view, it feels kind of like a disservice. You know what they said? The the reason was that um, I think it was Wrestling Inc. that reported from Dave Meltzer who said that the real reason they're doing it is because they want to get AEW fans ready to watch to watch wrestling on a Sunday. That's what the report read. That's that's it's bullshit. I hate to say it, it's bullshit. Um, I, I there's there's no way I can believe that. Um, just put it on Dynamite, man. Just put it on Dynamite again. I'm forgetting the other match here. While you you on Sunday, yeah, do it. I'm gonna watch. Yeah, I would I would watch too. So obviously the winner of the of the bracket of the tournament itself faces Hikaroshita Revolution, should be a good one. Uh, we move on again, but going back to the match, I mean we both said it. It, it was it was an awesome match between Riho and Deeb, and Riho gets the win there. Uh, we move on to Orange Cassidy and Luther, which I thought should have been the main event. Uh, personally for me, um, I don't know. I, I thought this was meaningless. I mean we know Orange Cassidy's gonna win. Um. And he did. There were some shenanigans with Angelico, I guess, and or excuse me, Serpentico, uh, and the Chaos Project and stuff like that. I don't know, man. I, and here's some bias here. I, I, I hate to bring up the WWE and um and AEW thing here, but the the Bleacher Report recap had this at rated rated this a C. That's too high. Okay, that's too high, especially with some matches you rated segments you rated lower. This, I mean, again, I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just like there wasn't like, it wasn't like botch city. I mean, I just it did it didn't mean nothing for me. I would rather have seen one of these tur- tournament matches in the way tournament in, in in pace of this. Put this on dark. Put this on Sunday. I don't know. Um, what did what did you think of this? <laughs> it was lame, man. Like at no point was I invested in this match. And can we? I don't mean to disrespect the person. I think. He's been around a long time. I'm sure he's done great work. But Luther ain't it, man. He's not it. He's not moved the needle for me. That might just be personal preference. But I don't need to see him wrestle Orange Cassidy. We know Orange Cassidy is very good at what he does. And we know Chuck Taylor's back with best friends. This felt like less of reintroducing best friends to the crowd more than just filling time. It felt like it was just filling time. And it's just, man, what was the point? Like you said, they could have had another women's tournament match on here and moved that to dark. But, you know, I don't make the decisions. You're right. You know, um, I don't know. Excuse, excuse me. But I, I don't know. It, it was just, I don't know. We should move on anyways. I guess they're setting up a chaos project best friends thing here. I, I, I. You know how people say, I can't wait, I can wait. You know, I can just just never never show it to me. I don't know. Um, but we move on, and we actually get Team Taz in the ring. Team, he comes out with Brian Cage. Um, I'm forgetting his name now. Who's that? Who's the kid that's with them? Hook. That Taz is Hook. 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 That's a retribution name, by the way. But Hook is there with them. Um, and they're either, again, they're calling out Sting, pretty much. And who comes out? Sting! He comes out. Um, and he comes down the ring and, t- and, t- and Taz says, listen, that was the worst mistake ever. We're, we're going we're gonna to beat you up. Sting takes off his, he throws down his bat. He takes off his jacket and he's ready to, fight. um, and th- they start fighting with each other. You know, Sting, you know, starts beat, you know, 
from punches at Brian Cage. Uh, Hook tries to get the bat and try to choke him with it. He, you know, he kicks him and and, and Hook kind of goes off. And then what happens? Brian Cage kicks him in, 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 the, in the sternum and he does a powerbomb on Sting. Sting is 60, 61, maybe? 61, 61 years old. He took a powerbomb like a champ. Um, JP, what did you think of this match? I was mortified. Not match, but you know what I mean. I... When we, when we first said, when we first saw Sting coming in, I had the prediction that he was going to be in like a six man tag, going to do the signature spots, then get out of there. I did not expect him to be powerbombed or be in a street fight. I don't want this. I, and I was talking about it with uh, one of the people I interact with on Twitter. I don't need to see this from Sting. I don't need to see what Sting has to prove at 61 in 2021. I, I just cringe. Especially with his history of like spine injuries, taking a power bomb from Brian Cage, who looks like he could tear Sting in half. I I don't want this, not like this. Not Sting doesn't have to go out like this, because I'd rather him like be able to walk still, you know. I it just I'd rather be. I just cringe, I just cringe every time he takes. He's going to take those moves in that street fight. And I'm going to cringe every time because it just feels weird seeing him back doing that stuff because you know the history of spine injuries. I don't I don't really want to see this. I'm very – I was excited to see Sting back on AEW, back in wrestling. But I don't want to see him like this. I, I don't need a full match from Sting. Like, you can, like, cover him up in a six-man – tag match you know you can hide him a little bit but in a street fight a two-on-two street fight you're not hiding him and he's gonna take those moves and you better hope that brian cage and ricky starks can like not kill him so this is so i, I here's the thing right you're talking about that you're, you're gonna i mean I, I i don't think you should watch the street fight because i think you might die of cringeness because He's not gonna just take a power bomb. He'll do. So he's gonna he's gonna take a lot of bumps here. Bumps that you know, um, maybe a sixty year old should not be taking. But you know that he definitely wanted to do it. He wants to do it. Um, that and again, that's his choice. And I'm not saying that he should be the final choice because he's not. You know, Tony Khan. He's not the people running the show. He could be like, hey, you know, you're 61 years old. You can't be taking these bumps. But apparently he, he he felt safe enough to do a power bomb, and it wasn't just like one of those nonchalant power bombs. He slammed him on the on the mat. You know, it wasn't it was a full on power bomb there, and he and he he seemed okay. I mean, I don't know. Real um, close to the baseball bat, I was like, oh, he's gonna get power bombed off the bat, and that's gonna mess his spine up. And I'm just like, oh god. Yeah, um, we'll see in the street fight, man. Maybe they'll kind of make Darby take all the the nasty bumps, but we'll see, man. I don't know. Um, you know, people, AEW fans were, were excited. They were bragging to WWE fans, hey, we got Sting. You know, it's going to be great. He's going to put over Darby. He's not going to wrestle. He's going to be in a street fight, folks, on March 7th at Revolution. Um, I can't say I'm not excited. I'm honestly excited. I, I'm hoping that they give Sting a good showing here, but I can't say that I'm not nervous. You know, I, I would. the last thing I want to see is him take a Matt Hardy-type bump in that match he had against Sammy Guevara, that one of those things, and... You know, again, 61 years old, 
you should not be fighting in street fights. Hey, that didn't stop Terry Funk. I think he was older and he was still doing death matches. So, I mean, maybe he could do anything. But uh, Sting has had a long history of injuries. So, speaking I'm definitely speaking, worried. Speaking of 61 years old, I got to uh, run something by you. I'm not sure if we're going to get to it when we're talking about AEW. But I think on March 3rd, the same card that has uh, Cody and uh, Red Velvet versus Shaq and Jade Cargo. Um so Jurassic Express is going to be facing FTR and returning to the ring, Tully Blanchard. See, I don't know, man, because let me let me look this up. Let's look this up. How- well, well, you said even well, you said that you know in a six man tag match they can mask it, you know. So I can see that Tully Blanchard only being in the ring once, you know. Yeah, you can mask them trying not to die. In a six-man tag match, because he doesn't have to, he can just stand there on the ring side and look good. Maybe hit the signature spots. Hey, I I guarantee that when he's in the ring, he'll be there with Marco Stunt. You know, I can I can see it. Um, but, like, I don't need to see Tully Blank. No, Tully, you have nothing to prove to me. You don't have to prove anything. Sting, you have nothing to prove to me. Hey, man. See if you can still go. You're- they they it all comes down, I guess, that they just want to do it. They want to get back in there. That and again, their choice, but I'm hoping that AEW is looking at it and saying, Hey, let's hope that these spots like they really want to do it. Let's give them what they want, but let's give them these spots that are not going to be life threatening, especially to a guy like Sting that's going to be in a street fight. We'll see, but we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and move on from that. Um, and I'm actually looking at here, um, where when you talk about the spine injury where he suffered like one of those bumps at night of champions in 2015. Um, so uh, yeah, the, the concern is concern is there. Absolutely. So it gets JP's match, a match that JP was very looking forward to, right? Because the young bucks were defending his, their champions, their championships against Santana and Ortiz of the inner circle. And before this happened, the inner circle cut a promo, like a backstage interview, um, and it was, you know, them talking about how, you know, this is going to be the first ever uh, tag team championship match. They're ready to do it. They're ready to prove to the world that they can do it. Um, and then the mic goes to MJF and he was talking about Sammy Guevara um, and how, like, you know, he, he quit the inner circle last week, whatever. I was, he's like, I wasn't trying to record on the phone. Chris Sherwood just says, shut up, MJF. We know what you were trying to do. But most of the blame here is on Sammy Guevara because he quit on us. Um, MJF could take could take the blows and the highs and lows. Sammy Guevara couldn't, so he left. So um, Sammy Guevara is dead to me. That's what he said. So they have this match. Um, bomb-ass match, I thought. I thought this match was awesome between these guys. Um, again, maybe it wasn't what JP wanted because he obviously wants to see um, you know Santana Ortiz win. But you know the Young Bucks were there. Their parents were at ringside uh, during this match. MGF was about to punch one of the Bucks while the ref wasn't looking, but the ref caught him and he ejected not only MGF, but the, the whole inner circle. So MGF is in a bad spot with Chris Jericho. It seems like he's always making him mad now. Um, but it comes to a point where, you know, Santana and Ortiz actually like power bomb. Uh, I, I forgot it's either Matt or Nick uh, out in the stands, you know, right in the first row near, near you know, uh, their parents. Uh, so that leaves Santana Ortiz with one of the Bucks, but uh, he catches him in a roll of win for the one, two, three, quick and easy. What well, was pretty much a two on one thing, and they can't believe it. Santana Ortiz cannot believe it. The inner circle comes in, they start beating on them, 
and they cut to the monitor of Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers looking on into this match, and they're not even doing anything. Um, there comes a point where Kenny Omega actually says, maybe we should help him, and Don Callis is like, no, 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 we don't need to help. Um, I don't know if that's like a foreshadow of them, like maybe him trying to help, but he says, you know, Good Brothers go out there, help him. They eventually help them out. Uh, it comes to a moment where like the inner circle looks at the young Bucks' parents, and uh, he, Chris, he pushes Chris Jericho, the father, I thought that was great. And then MGF, I I forgot what he said. He says, um, you're going to pay for that, you old sack of crap. That's what he said to the father of the Young Bucks. MGF is golden. Uh, so, JP, what did you think of this tag team match? Uh, the Young Bucks winning uh, the whole thing. This was honestly my second favorite segment of AEW. This might have been, this might have been like a top three, like wrestling segment for me of this week. Um. The match was amazing. It's what you get when you get uh, Young Bucks, Santana Ortiz in the same ring. There were moments in there where I was like, oh, they're going to win this. Santana Ortiz are going to win. Um, I thought the Young Bucks were going to win. I kind of wanted the Young Bucks to win because, like, I don't think Santana Ortiz versus MJF and uh, Jericho could, like, work because they're a part of the same faction. But it was really good. It was really well done. By having them win via roll-up, it still sets them up as like you never really like legit beat us. The match itself was awesome. Um, everything that happened after with Kenny saying go and help him, go and help him, and they're kind of just not going initially. It sets up the whole like the Good Brothers are only here for the money. They really don't like care about the Bucks. Um, and you know the whole thing with the inner circle. You knew as soon as they introduced the Bucks parents, MJF and Jericho were going to do something to the parents. But, um, you know, it really was, it was one of my favorite segments. I, I would say most of the time, you they, they focus on the parents at, like, the first row. They're usually going to get involved. I hate to bring back some bad memories to when I was a kid, but when John Cena and, and Randy Orton were, to, were, were doing the, having a feud together, and they showed John Cena's father uh, in the first row, and it was John Cena and Randy Orton, and he was about to punt John Cena, and he hesitated. He went out in the ring. <laughs> he got Justin's father and threw him in the in the, uh, in the ringside. And he punted him. When I was a kid, I was shocked. I was like, I was like, oh my god, bro, what's going on here? It was, but you, but again, usually when you have some sort of family members out there, they're always gonna get involved. Unless it's like the Rock's mother. The Rock's mother's always out there at at, at the first row, which is great. By the way, check out Young Rock, the first episode, pretty solid. Um, but um. But yeah, again, it, again, like you said, it was a great match. This is actually the the, the third uh, match. It was kind of like the rubber match. I think the first time they met, Santana Ortiz won, and then the second time they met was like a, for the number one contendership. The Young Bucks won that, so now it, they're pretty much up two to one. If this is like a long term tag team rivalry between these two teams, I'm all for it. I think they would put on every single match be a banger, so I'm I'm cool with it. Um, but they eventually get the win. A segment that I want to talk about this before it was uh. Kenny Omega reading a book, you know, the Young Bucks book to children. Uh, but before that, when they were presenting at the commentators, Jim Ross said, here is the WWE champion, Kenny Omega. <laughs> I can't help but to say that it fits. Can't help it. Um, so, but it, obviously, I mean, when you, when you commentate in WWE, you know, it slips up, whatever. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll do respect to JR. But I thought that was funny. So it happens, he's reading a book to children. It's like the Young Bucks book. Uh, I think it's called Killing the Business, I think the book is called. Um, and Nakazawa was there as well, along with Don Callis. And reading the book, he was saying, like, ever since 
Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho wrestled in the, at, at Wrestle Kingdom in the Thunderdome and in, in the Tokyo Dome, excuse me. I said Thunderdome in the Tokyo Dome. Um, business was 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 going up drastically. He's saying, Hey kids, you know what drastically means? And, he, and they're like, No, and like, well, because of me, you know, business was up, whatever. He was just promoting himself, whatever. They're saying, you know, and they said, Okay, oh, we have to go. Uncle Kenny has to go. It was it was crazy. And then one kid kind of goes up to them and says, Can Uncle can Uncle Kenny play? Like, oh, we don't know. You can play with, with Nakazawa. And Nakazawa's like, yeah, kids, you can play with me. And they say, we hate Nakazawa. And one kid kicks him in the shin and they start beating him up, the kids. I, I could not stop laughing when I saw this. Look um, but, my boy. But, like, they always disrespect Nakazawa. I think Tony Schiavone afterwards said, like, well, at least they beat up Nakazawa. Um, one thing I want to say to you, does this further prove what your mom said, that he looks like a social studies teacher? Yes, he absolutely looks like a social studies teacher. <laughs> Kenny Omega, I think I said last week, he's very good at being a dweeb. Like, he's very good at being corny. It's real corny. It's real cornball stuff. But he's so good at it. Like, it's it's hilarious. The funny stuff he does is amazing. Again, shout out to Nakazawa. But look how they massacred my boy. He didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve to get kicked in the shin by no uh, kindergartner. He didn't deserve to get jumped like that. Why didn't they jump Don Callis? Was he... What has Nakazawa ever done? What has he What has he done to you? Why? I want respect for Nak. I'm gonna start the respect for Nak fan club. Nobody's gonna join that. I'm the sure. only member. Only one member. I'm the I'm the president of the fan club. Um, but we move on. We get to the second to last match of the card actually, and it's FTR taking on the Seidel brothers, Matt and Mike. Mike making his uh, I don't, is it his? It's definitely his dynamite debut. Maybe he's been on the dark a couple times. Uh, I'm not so sure to be honest. Um, but they have a tag team match, and hey, man, they're pretty good together. I, I can't say I wouldn't mind seeing them a couple more times on, on whether it be dark or dynamite or whatever. But um, FTR really controls most of this match, and I, I can't say enough. A good, I've, we've already said our presence about FTR, easily one of the best tag teams in the business right now. They're great, they're, they're like a great mix of that old fashioned style tag team, but also having that modern sort of uh style with them. They're great. Um, but it, eventually it, it leads up to uh FTR doing the big rig for the for the win afterwards on Mike uh Seidel. After the match, they're about to cut Mike Seidel's hair, and then the lights turn off, turn back on. And on the video screen, it's it's you can't really see it, but it's Luchasaurus mask off, and his mask is off, and he's like you see the shadow of him doing it. The lights turn back on, and it's Jurassic Express, it's Marco Stun, it's it's Luchasaurus, it's Jungle Boy, and they start attacking on them. Um, and and that, and if they get the jump on him, and that's pretty much it. And you see Jungle Boy trapping Hardwood uh, in the snare trap, which made him tap out uh, three weeks ago. Um, and that's the end of the segment. So, like JP alluded to earlier, next week is it next week or the week after? We're seeing March third. March third, the same. We're seeing Shaq and all you know those people. We're seeing um, FTR and Tully Blanchard versus Jurassic Express. So that's going to be the six-man tag match. Um, so thoughts on this? Uh, thoughts on this match, JP? And I know you already said your thoughts on the six-man tag match, but you know, where, where do you think this is that this is leading up to? to? Um, FTR is really good at one making other people look good without losing their shine, and two, like you said, being a mix of old school and modern. Um, you know that statement where like you never really appreciate what you have until it's gone. Like I think FTR really needed to get away from WWE, kind of show what they could really do and they're they're so good at tag team wrestling um 
Mike Seidel being pinned is the right thing here. I don't think he'll be back on AW much, but I wouldn't mind seeing Matt and Mike as a take as a tag team. Um, I think it was really fun. Uh, I enjoyed Jurassic Express. They're one of my favorite uh, tag teams. Um, one of my sister's favorite tag teams. But um, I like that they got the comeuppance because you rarely ever see Jurassic, Jurassic Express like really go out for vengeance or getting revenge on someone. And no, like I said, I'm kind of queasy at seeing Tully Blanchard in a match because he's 67. But it's a six man and he's in there with FTR against Jurassic Express. What could go wrong? I hate to say it like that, but what could go wrong? I mean, again, like I said before, I just feel like that if he's going to be in the ring, it seems like they're good. he's going to be in the ring with like Marco Stunt, you know, and, and I don't see any harm in that. By the way, didn't they kidnap Marco Stunt? He's now with back with Jurassic Express. Um, they did I miss something last week? Uh, I I don't know. I I missed it while I was watching. They they might have just said, like, you're going to be suspended again for, for longer if you don't return him. Okay. But Marco Stunt was back. Okay. Well, we move on event uh and it's actually eddie kingston the bush and the blade versus john moxley ray phoenix and lance archer uh it was they cut a promo eddie kingston saying that he actually uh requested this match uh not only to get back at lance archer but at john moxley which by the way when those two i this is i think this is before we started the pod maybe where you know where the, him and john moxley had an i quit match i think it was full year for the in an, an i quit match for the title I thought that whole rivalry was great. They had that promo on the Go Home Show beforehand where they were going up to each other's faces. One of the best promos, like one of my favorite promos of all time, I feel. I just love that segment. It was awesome. And you could see that hate is still there. There was one moment in the match where it might have been Archer um, and, and maybe the Butcher in the ring and Moxley and Kingston are both wanting the tag and they don't even look at their partners. They look straight at each other with like spit coming out of their mouths. My God, that was an awesome segment. They get back in the ring, and then they just kind of go at it each other again. They have such a big floor with each other. Uh, and that was, this was actually the closing moments, but I, we should talk about the whole thing. You know, I want to get your thoughts in here, too. We say this every week. Every time Ray Phoenix is in a match, I think we always have to praise this guy because this guy is insane. The guy is easily one of my favorite wrestlers in AEW at the moment. He had a moment, and I'm trying to remember what it was, and maybe you can recollect my memory where it's like, it was Eddie Kingston, and I think it was uh, the Butcher. And he, I think he put up the Butcher on the top rope, I feel, oh, or he's, he's on the corner. Yep. He's, yeah, he's on the corner, and then he, like, he grabs Eddie Kingston's hand. He obviously does the slap to the chest, and, like, he does, like, that springboard arm drag. But as soon as he, he was in the air, he kicked Butcher in the corner and did the arm drag. Oh, my God. How does he do this stuff? It was, it was, it was amazing. Thoughts on the match, JP? I, every time. AEW has a tag match in the main event. It is organized chaos. I say this every week, but this was another segment of organized chaos. Every match is so wild, so unpredictable, and you have so many combustible elements. Lance Archer is one of the, my favorite people to watch in a wrestling ring currently because he just doesn't care. He threw Ray Phoenix on the Butcher and the Blade and then did a flipping senton off the apron to Butcher Blade and Ray Phoenix. He just doesn't care. Um, Ray Phoenix, I mean, I'm running out of adjectives for him. I mean, there's moments in there, like he does this signature move where he runs at somebody who's like on the in the turnbuckle, where he jumps on, on the uh, springboard, spins and like kicks them in the corner. And I'm just like, how do you do that? Like, how do you think of that one? 
And two, how do you execute that without tearing everything in your knee? Um, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, the intensity every time. Um, they had a promo before the match where Eddie was like, um, women won't get this hate away. Drinking, drugs, it won't get the hate away. I have to end you here. And I'm just like, dang, you can feel that. I think I've said it before, but Eddie Kingston, whenever he talks, he means it. And you can tell the same thing with Moxley when he's talking about uh, Eddie Kingston. When they're talking about each other, they mean it. And you can tell because they've been in the ring, they've been around each other before, not only in the ring, but outside the ring. You can tell that there's that real life, not like real life beef, but like you can tell those experiences they've had with each other come out in those promos and in the ring, you can tell the intensity. Like he said, they really just wanted to beat the crap out of each other. I think Moxley getting the win here was good because he's going into, um, actually, uh, February 26th, he's going into New Japan Strong to defend the IWGP US title, which was, again, on AEW television, which I cannot stress enough how important that is. He's going to defend it against Kenta. Then he's going into a match with Kenny Omega that we'll refer to later on. And let's, yeah, let's just, let's even talk about that. So he does the paradigm shift on on Eddie Kings for the win. And then afterwards, he's celebrating. Um, he has like a mic in hand, actually, but he, he kind of throws it down, whatever. The Good Brothers come and they attack him. Um, and Kenny Omega is in there with him. And he says, you know what, John? You, I saw that you, you submitted in a rematch clause for the title. I'll give you that since I'm in a giving mood. And he says, as, even as soon as Revolution, but I get to pick what match we're going to be in. So he says... John says, I can't keep you down in, in, in a match. You're going to be jealous if I beat you in a straight-up wrestling singles match. So let's so let's do it like this. I challenge you to an exploding barbed wire match, death match, an exploding barbed wire death match at Revolution for the, for the AEW title. How do you feel about that? John Moxley gives him a little bit of a headbutt. He's, like, bleeding in his forehead. And this, I felt like Kenny Omega put so much emphasis on this, but he then does like one of the nastiest V triggers to the face I've ever seen. And he does a second one to him. And he's, you know, he's like, you know, he's pumping up the crowd. He's like bleeding out of the forehead here where he got head, you know, head butted. Uh, and that's the end of the show. Um, JP. Um, actually, let me start her real quick. I, cause you know, I was wondering how, they would do a second match between Moxley and Kenny Omega. You know, it was coming obviously for the title because the first time around, you know, Moxley kind of got you know, screwed up because of Don Callis and everything, whatever. An exploding barbed wire death match, huh? That already got it to my eye. You know, me and my dad, we were planning to go to an AEW Dynamite show pretty soon because he wanted to go to Jacksonville. He wanted to see a show, whatever. I'm like, dad, we have to watch, we have to go to the pay-per-view because um, John Moxley is facing Kenny Omega for the title. He's like, so what? You know, they're facing for the title. We could watch that at home for an exploding barbed wire death match, Dad. I think we need to watch. He said, "Oh, what?" And I said, "Yes." Uh, JP, thoughts on this? Oh my God, I'm so excited! You really couldn't go anywhere else with Kenny Omega and John Moxley because they had the unsanctioned fight where they basically killed each other at a full gear, not full gear, but um, I think it was Revolution, the first Revolution. Um. And then they had the regular one-on-one -on -one match. But this is a new level of violence that I did not expect them to go to, especially with AEW. 
I went and did some research on exploding barbed wire death matches and found them on YouTube. Oh my God. It is exactly what it sounds like. The ropes are barbed wire that explodes as soon as you touch them. And it doesn't just explode once. Every time you hit the barbed wire, it explodes. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, they're gonna try and murder each other. Like it's, somebody's gonna die. And <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Like, I wanna be there in person. I wanna see when it happens. Cause this is exciting for me because I don't think we've seen, or I don't think I've seen a modern exploding barbed wire death match. Like this is like, that I didn't think a mainstream wrestling company would go to. And I'm glad they're doing it. I mean, I'm glad they're doing it too. I can't wait to see it. If I go there live, um, I'll, I guess I'll wear goggles because I don't want to die from the, the voltage of the, of the explosion. No, but seriously, like I've seen a couple clips from it. It looks absolutely insane. Kenny Omega and John Moxley, they are insane for wanting to do this. But I'm not gonna you to you, bro. I mean, I'm wait. I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to see it. And that's the anime you know, uh, dynamite. You know that thing from The Simpsons where it's like, I'm gonna jump and it's like, do a flip. This is like we're gonna have a a, a barbed wire electric exploding barbed wire death match. It's like, okay, cool. Throw them into it. Like, it's just like we're not like, oh, I hope you're okay. Please don't do this. It's like, no. Nah. Throw them into the barbed wire. I want to see some explosions. This is this is pinnacle wrestling. The one-on-ones, the in-ring stuff, that's cool. But I want to see somebody get thrown into something that explode. And so I feel like this might bring in more viewers. This might bring in more people. Because people naturally are going to be curious, like, what's an exploding barbed wire death match? Adding death match to anything makes it even more intense. Because that implies that they're going to try and murder each other. Legally. I wish... um. I wish that AEW. I know it's. I know they're only a couple years into their company. Uh, I really wish they had a service, kind of like the WWE Network, where you pay like a couple bucks a month or like ten bucks a month to not only watch every pay per view and every episode of Dynamite, but to watch the newer pay per views. Because if I was just a regular viewer and I wanted to watch an exploding barbed wire death match, would I pay sixty bucks just to watch that one match? I don't know. Um. And I don't know if it's in the works if they're having a network service. I really hope they do, man. I would buy that immediately, especially to watch that kind of match. But it's going to be great. And that's at the end to another AEW Dynamite. Moving on to SmackDown, the final show of the week. Um, it pretty much started off with Edge coming to the ring. Um, and he was, again, talking about you know the challenge he's going to have at WrestleMania. You know, who's it going to be? He was saying, again, I'm still weighing my options. Elimination Chamber is this Sunday. A lot can happen. Two new champions could be crowned here, whether it be Drew McIntyre not being the champion or Edge not being the champion. All I know is that I need to reassess my situation. Who comes out? It's Roman Reigns. It's it's Jay Uso. It is Paul Heyman. They come out, and he says, listen, listen, Edge. Uh, you know, you, you can choose to, to, you know, a main adventure to be in the match. But you you should you really need to choose me, which is the main event. Um, it, it's the match you know you want to you know you want to choose. And Edge, you know, says like, listen, Roman, like, it's it's I'm honestly surprised of how easy it is to get under your skin. I'm already in your head. I'm living rent free in there, uh, and how easy it was. Um, 
But who comes out? It's Sami Zayn <laughs> comes out here with his documentary crew, and he says again, talking about the conspiracy, WWE management, how WWE management didn't even want him in this match, and he says, you know, but he's but then he sells like his documentary crew is like, listen, all you know, all respect to both of you, but I'm gonna be in the main event of WrestleMania, um, and he tells his documentary crew, look at me, get an iconic photo of me pointing at the WrestleMania sign. Jey Uso just super kicks him right in the face, and Roman Reigns and Edge just stare at each other. Roman Reigns goes up to Edge. And whisper something in his ear. We can't hear it. We don't know what he says. I think it's intentional. We, we didn't hear it. But he told him something. And then he leaves. Uh, and that's the opening segment. Um, good stuff. Brief thoughts on that, JP? I, I, what else? They don't miss. Roman doesn't miss. Jey Uso doesn't miss. Edge doesn't miss. I actually think Edge had the upper hand in this promo segment. Like, it was intense. And what made it so much so much more intense was they were both right. They're both true. What he's saying is true. What Roman said is you can choose a main eventer or you can choose the main event. He's right. The main event match would be Edge versus Roman. But Edge was also true in saying, yeah, I've gotten under your skin. I'm in your head. Because Roman was the first one to mention Edge. He didn't, Edge didn't come to SmackDown first. It was Roman who mentioned him. Um, having Sami Zayn, who is, like I said, the Laura Loomer of the WWE out there, um, he just adds so much to everything. He's a very sniveling heelish, you know, you know what he's going to do, but he adds so much in terms of not necessarily cannon fodder, but he's very Miz-ish in terms of getting people to not like him, but also saying what's true and like being so convinced of his words that you have to believe that he's right. So props to Sami Zayn. Um, that super kick looked nasty. Um, I'm so curious as to what Roman said that um, Edge, it creates intrigue. This whole thing just created more intrigue for Elimination Chamber. It does. Yeah. And just to knock these out, pretty much afterwards, Edge kind of like talks to every single person in the chamber match. Um, he already did saying he pretty much did Uso. He, he didn't really talk to Uso, but he talked to, to Kevin Owens and said, listen, like, you know, I, I love your resilience and stuff like that. So if you're a champion, that would be a really good match. And Kevin Owens says, you know, I agree. Um, and Kevin Owens is wearing a Malcolm Bivens shirt as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, Edge also talks to Daniel Bryan. He says, Daniel, you know, you're you're one of my main drives to coming back because I saw you come back from a, from a nasty neck injury. Same thing as me. So I just want to thank you for that. And Daniel Bryan says, absolutely. I'm glad you are back. Um, but to make them, to make it easier for you, uh, if I win the elimination chamber, you need to pick me. Cause that's, that would be amazing. And then Edge says, well, that would be a dream match. And then Daniel Bryan says, yeah, that'll be long overdue. Um, and that's with them. He talks to Cesaro as well. I am pre- and pretty much puts him over, uh, saying that again, that would be an, obviously a challenging match, obviously with Cesaro's kind of skill set. Um, but it would still be great. He talks to, you know, King Corbin confronts him and King Corbin says, you know, like, you know, you built up SmackDown, but now it's my kingdom. Now, if you see a guy come up with this, like a $30,000 jacket or something, or a $20,000 like watch or something or whatever, he's like, then you better watch out. And it says, well, I got this like a hundred, like, you know, a phone here that could, that could, that can do some stuff here better than your jacket and your watch. And he takes pictures of them. The pictures were actually posted on the WWE Twitter account. It's kind of funny. Um, and, and pretty much King Corbin leaves very annoyed. Uh, there as well. Um, and, and that's pretty much it for that sort of thing. So we move on 
to the icy title picture, and Biggie is out on commentary. He has his couch. He has the spa, foot spa there. He has the TV dinner. He's eating it. He's like, cool. Biggie is cool, <laughs> I love it. He reminds me so much of my dad. Oh, it was it was just awesome stuff there and he's and he's basically telling commentary like listen like they keep asking him, like you know are you gonna give apollo another chance and he says i'm not giving apollo another chance i beat him like three the last like three times in the last like six weeks we need someone else and he kind of puts over shinsuke as well saying like shinsuke is an opponent that he listen, he's a living legend here um he deserves a lot of praise i should face him or whatever apollo cruz is facing shinsuke at during this time pretty qu- quick sort of stuff um but it comes to the point where Nakamura actually catches in a small package to beat Apollo Crews. Uh, Apollo Crews loses it. He, he, he attacks him from behind. He, he throws him outside of the ring. He's about to get some steel steps and hit him with it. Biggie stops me. He says, hey, leave. Walk away now. Walk away now or it's going to get serious, whatever. Apollo Crews kind of walks off. Whatever. He's trying to help Twishin. He's trying to help Shinsuke up. He hits uh, Biggie in the back with the steel steps, and Shinsuke kind of gets up, but he clotheslines Shinsuke out, you know, outside of the uh, barricade. He goes into the ring with the steel steps, and he throws Biggie in there, and he's about to hit him, but the ref kind of stops him, and Biggie rolls out of the ring, and and Apollo Crews says, "You want you want me to put this down?" He throws the steel steps out of the ring in the way of Big E, and we don't see the impact, but it looks like that he hit Biggie, and he's like out. He's out on the floor. There's, they stretcher him out. That's the end of the segment. Um, Apollo Crews, I mean, if, if he really didn't believe him as a heel now, he's definitely a heel now, for sure. Um, good stuff from Apollo Crews. I know that, you know, we, were, we weren't so sure about what he about his sort of status here. Guy's a full-on heel now, and it was I thought it was a pretty damn good segment. What did you think, JP? This was great work by everyone involved. Um, Apollo Crews going full heel. Um, it's long overdue, and it's given him a, a lot more leeway to be more vicious, a lot more intense. And that's something that you need to see from Apollo Crews. Um, Big E doing his normal Big E things. Um, you can tell when he gets serious, it's like he means business. And he's one of the most intimidating wrestlers when he gets serious. Mind you, he did all that while being barefoot, which I thought was an achievement in itself. Um, Shinsuke won the match. I'm intrigued to see where they go with this because I would love to see Shinsuke versus Big E. I hate... I would hate if Shinsuke was just cannon fodder for this entire rivalry because it really would just feel like that whole gauntlet match was for naught. And this whole entire thing of Shinsuke getting back to the theme song would be for nothing. Unless like, you know, they're building something long-term, which I hope is an Intercontinental title uh, match. I don't know if he'd win, but I'd want to see it. But um, this was just great work by everybody involved. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Shinsuke. The momentum was at its peak when he when he was looked so strong in that gauntlet match, and got he got screwed over by Jay and Roman Reigns. He thought that they were going to set up something there. Uh, at the moment, he you know he's not even in the chamber match. He's in this intercontinental thing. It's looking like the big push push has been towards Cesaro, which we'll talk about you know when it comes to the chamber match and stuff like that. Um, cool to see Cesaro getting the, getting the love as well, but Shinsuke kind of being in the backfire here. I don't know what that means. Maybe he'll get a He's probably going to get another title match. Who knows what, what's going to happen here, but that's the end of that. When Biggie gets treasured out, Seth Rollins comes up. It's still his old theme. It seems like it's permanent. You know, he has the burn it down stuff. Uh, not the Messiah stuff. I guess he's not the Messiah. He's more so just what he wants to be that, you know, um, embrace the vision that's like his tagline now. 
He says that he's filed a formal complaint to the WWE about the SmackDown roster and how they treated Seth Rollins last week when they just walked out on him, especially Cesaro. He says that what he did was absolutely uh, uh, just disrespectful to Seth Rollins, especially about, you know, especially like the same Seth Rollins that's won multiple championships, very respected, stuff like that. Um, good stuff from, from Seth Rollins here, but, you know, any brief thoughts on Seth Rollins? Um, I actually like that this Seth Rollins character it feels like he's really like entrenched himself as a very good heel in a different way. You know, we saw him originally as a heel when he broke up with the shield. That was kind of a different heel than he is now. This feels a lot like a cult leader who's like trying to get uh, followers. Um, he's nailing it. He's absolutely nailing it. Um, he's definitely going to factor in into the Elimination Chamber, maybe, if he's still going after Cesaro. Um, you know, I a singles match between Seth Rollins and Cesaro, take my money, all of my money. You can have it, because that would be an instant fire match. Even without a title, flames, five stars already. I, I absolutely agree, and we'll get to the predictions, um, whether it be today or tomorrow, but um, I do think Seth Rollins will be involved in, in the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view one way or the other, uh, and I will, we'll talk about that once we get to predictions. Um, but after that, it is the Riot Squad versus Natalia and Tamina, and you're wondering, how is Billy Kay going to get involved this time around? So they have a match, you know, they kind of go for a couple minutes, and then obviously who comes out, it's Billy Kay, but she's not rocking Riot Squad gear anymore. She's actually rocking, I think it was a Tamina shirt. Um, and kind of rooting for that team. She goes up on the apron, and then uh, she distracts the Riot Squad, and then Tamina finds the opportunity to do like a roundhouse slam on Ruby Riot. Uh, for the win, Tamina and Natalia win. They beat the Riot Squad, and and um, Billy Kay is like celebrating. She's like raising their hands, but to not because Natalia punches her in the gut, and then Tamina super kicks Billy Kay right in the face. Um, I don't know. I don't like the Riot Squad getting a, a dumb loss here. I think I'm, I'm tired of them losing because of Billy Kay. I, 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 we've said it before. Like In the beginning, it was fine. You know, whatever. I'm tired of it now. What do you think? I just need to know what the payoff is going to be. It's probably going to be at WrestleMania. I don't know where this is going. It's not really helping the Riot Squad. I think it's helping Billy Kay. But it really kind of sucks because the Riot Squad is one of the most solidified tag teams, women's tag teams that they have and not giving them wins seems like counterintuitive because you don't have that many entrenched tag teams. You got Dakota Kai and uh, Raquel Gonzalez. You got Nia and Shayna. You got um, The Way. You got Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. You got Caden Carter and uh, Super Spreader Case Kenzaro. Um, but outside of that, who's another, like, entrenched tag team? And, I mean, Naomi and Lana just got back. Um, we don't know what's going on with Charlotte and Asuka. I'd rather not talk about that anymore. Um, but, again, I hate to keep bringing this up, but if this is what they broke up the Iconics for, then, like, what are we doing here? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's disappointing, but whatever. We move on. Um it, it, we'll see if the Riot Squad kind of get back in in motion there, and hopefully, the, the, hopefully they do. Uh, we actually get 
a new episode of Ding Dong Hello by Bailey, which I think is great. Her special guests are uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. And they pretty much, it doesn't even, it's not even an interview. They just pretty much talk about how like, well, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler are like, oh, Bailey, you know, it's, it's good to be on your show, but I thought you'd still be mad at us because we took the titles off of you the first time with you and Sasha. And, she, and she's like, yeah, but it was honestly for the better because then I realized how, how much I hate Sasha. Sasha's not that good. And they just rag on Sasha and Bianca Belair the whole time until Sasha comes out. Um, or excuse me, sorry, before that, as they're, as they're insulting Bianca Belair and Sasha, Reginald comes out uh, and says, and pretty much like advocates for Sasha and Bianca saying that Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, they're beneath them. They're like cheap wine compared to them. Um, and Nia Jax goes up to Reginald and says, oh, you, want, you know, what, what are you talking about, little man? And she says, uh, Sasha then comes out and tells Reginald, you know, you can't speak for me, uh, but I am the boss and I'm better than all of you, whatever. And this SmackDown, the division runs around me. Who comes out? Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair says, hey, you know, uh, and well, Sasha Banks also says, like, you know, Bianca's going to challenge me, whatever. Um, Belair comes out and says, you know, um, you know, no one speaks for me too, but since I'm the Royal Rumble winner, the, it revolves around me and everybody is on the watch out for me. And when it comes to, and when it comes to Sasha, Sasha, you can't, you can't talk for me either. I'm going to decide who I want to decide. And they actually go up face to face, but then, uh, Reginald breaks it up and says, you know what, you know, you, you two are great together. You you two can win those tag team titles. Let's have a six man tag, six man tag right now. You Sasha, Bianca Belair and Reginald versus, uh, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler and Bailey. Bailey's like in her work, in her, like, you know, clothes. She has like square glasses. She looks great. They have a match afterwards. Um, and Bailey's like in still in the same clothes or whatever. They have a match. It's pretty short, but you know, fun because at the end, you know, Reginald gets tagged in, but she he's matched up with Nia, with Nia Jax. Doesn't get anything on Nia Jax. Nia Jax like hits him. There's a, some slams. It comes to a point where, um, <laughs> where uh, where Reginald does tries to do like a splash onto her, but he catches she catches him, but Bianca Belair. And Sasha Banks do a drop kick, and he's in a she's in a pinning predicament. One, two, three. Reginald just pinned Nia Jax, and go Reginald. And then afterwards, they're celebrating, and Sasha Banks they can't believe it because Reginald just pinned Nia Jax. Um, so afterwards, they announce that it's going to be Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks for the women's tag team titles. Not that because you know Nia. And I won the, the right to be the number one contenders. No, 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 no. It's Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Um, JP, thoughts on the, the, the match and thoughts on the match at Chamber? Uh, it was a cool match. I'm going to uh, not um, acknowledge the fact that Reginald is with Carmella because it's Black History Month and we like to see Black unity. This is all that was for. Well, power to them. <laughs> um, I thought it was actually kind of funny. Uh, having Banks and Belair just kind of drop kick Reginald on the Nia Jax. Now this tag title match, I'm confused because Lana and Naomi never got their title match. Will they get it before they get to uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai? The world may never know. Um, what if Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai win before Naomi and Lana? Do they face them? Do they face Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler? What if Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair win? Nobody knows. Just make it a triple threat match. 
but it feels kind of forced, you know. I feel like the bigger story here, again, is Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, which kind of puts the women's tag titles in the back seat again. Yeah, um, and I'll, I'll give my full thoughts when we get to the prediction side of it, but I'm tired of seeing double champions. I'm tired of it. We saw with Asuka, saw with Bailey. I think, yeah, and if we, we might see it again with Sasha. Who knows? But we'll talk about the predictions a little later. Uh, move on uh, to Ray and Dominic Mysterio versus Alpha Academy. And these two kind of go at it for a little bit. But let's talk about the ending here. So uh, the match is thrown out um, because Chad Gable and mostly Otis are, you know, they, they attack Ray Mysterio. They're having a match. Um, but the match gets thrown out because they won't, they, they didn't break the five count here. Otis lays in on Rey Mysterio after this. He does a he does a, like that tsunami splash that Bronson Reed does to, to you know to people. He did that to Mysterio, and Gable was setting up sending it up. Did Otis just turn a heel? JP. Otis and Gable just turn heel. Well, to me, like I always thought that Gable was manipulating Otis in a way, like to kind of get him towards that. So I felt like he was always not like blatantly heel, but. I, I don't know. I always had the feeling that he was doing this to Otis, but Otis, but JP did Otis turn heel. I think we're seeing heel Otis. Whoa. I think it's actually pretty cool because like, you know, Otis can be the kind of, you know, hey, take, take some weights kind of funny comedy guy. But when he gets serious, the dude can actually go in a wrestling ring. We saw that in NXT when uh, Heavy Machinery faced uh, Undisputed Era. I'm excited to see what he can do with this new character. I'm excited to see what Chad Gable's going to do because clearly he's been learning from Gable. I think Gable is a heel. I think they both turned heel. Um, it's exciting to see, but also, like, I hate to bring this up again, but when was the last time that Ray and Dominic legit won a match? It's been so long. Legit one? I don't know because Dominic did, they, did get that win over Corbin, but it was because Ray Mysterio, like, tucked the legs up. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that is weird. And they, and they, they just lost again. Ray got pinned here or not, not even the match was thrown out. Um, and Ray and Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, um, were actually on commentary for this. And they're top of the street profits. They're saying that the street profits are still in line for the titles, but yeah, maybe Gable and maybe Gable and Otis are, are in line for, I wouldn't have be again. I, I like, I'm, a, I'm in, I'm due for heel Otis. I think, I think it's pretty cool. I was shocked. Um, but we move on to the main event. It's Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan, and Cesaro versus Jay Uso, King Corbin, and Sami Zayn. One thing I want to mention before they have a promo, it's Cesaro and Daniel Bryan talking about strategy. Uh, Kevin Owens comes say, hey, are we talking about strategy here? I want to be on this. And, and Daniel Bryan says, yeah, yeah, we're t- you, you can be on this. We're, we're just kind of discussing how we shouldn't, how we're going to, you know, counter the stunner. Because your history uh, has been crazy. Who has it been Sami Zayn? It's been uh, it's been some other people. Um, saying they mentioned Kofi because remember he was the big O. They mentioned Kofi, and then they said, but I, you know, and Daniel Bryan says, you know, I'm thinking of a, I'm missing a big name here. You know, I really should have made a list. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I love that when he said that. I'm like, whoa! They just said they just mentioned Chris Jericho. That, that was that was pretty cool. Um, and then Kevin Owens. I, and I feel like Kevin Owens. I don't know if you expected that because I feel like that the laugh he did was actually generic. Well, not generic. I mean, like it was genuine. That was the word I was looking for. Like he, I felt like he didn't see that coming. Um, 
but it's great. But then they say, listen, but Kevin Owens says, listen, like I'm here, I'm here for you guys with this match. But when it comes to the chamber, yeah, no, 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 you know, no holds barred. I'm, you know, expect a thunder for me, maybe two, maybe three. Um, the match happens, chaotic match as usual. We skip to the ending though, and the ending is just ha- as how usually a Royal Rumble or Elimination Chamber type uh, ending is on the go home show. Each person pretty much gets their own sort of fi- sort of finisher in here. It comes to the point though where actually the heel the faces get the win over the heels here. But then after the match happens, it was um oh man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the order that it, that it started here. But everybody, I think I know the order. So I think go it, ahead. Um, Daniel Bryan got taken out by um no. I think Daniel Bryan got the win. Okay. Um, Kevin Owens stunners Daniel Bryan. I don't think he does. Who then? I get, who then gets hit with a think... suplex from Sami Zayn? Who gets hit with a pop up up uppercut from Cesaro? Who then gets super kicked by Jay Uso? Oh no no no! Here's what happens. I got it. Now. So actually, Corbin does the end of Corbin days on Bryan. Days on Daniel Bryan. Kevin Owens stunners Corbin. Then Sami Zayn hits the half-and-half suplex on Kevin Owens. Then pop-up uppercut from Cesaro to Sami Zayn. Super kick from Jey Uso to Cesaro. Edge Spears Jay. Roman Spears Edge. There we go. So, so look, and like you said, that, that ending part is crucial, right? Because Edge is on commentary with Paul Heyman as well, who comes a little bit later into the match. And... um. So Edge, you know, he comes to the ring, and again, this is after the match, and when Jey Uso uh, does that, then Edge comes to the ring and spears him, turns around and catches a spear from Roman. Um, and that's pretty much the end. He kind of looks at him, he gets the, the Universal title and raises it up, um, and that is the ending of SmackDown. Crazy ending. JP, what did you think of the match, and what did you think of the ending? This match was bananas. The ending was bananas. I honestly really liked it, you know? It showed off what these guys can do best. Wrestle. Cesaro is a machine. I would let him wrestle a broomstick and it would be a five-star match. I would let Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan, even King Corbin and Jay Uso, just put them in a ring and let them go to work. And that's what they did. And it was fun. Um, all the ending stuff was cool. You knew it was coming. You don't expect it to happen with the Elimination Chamber coming up. Um, but Roman standing tall at the end is important because it might be foreshadowing as to what's going to happen elimination chamber roman standing tall but you never know um but it was a really really fun segment agreed and again i i think that it's uh we'll see what this means for elimination chamber i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna spoil my predictions even though it, maybe some people's you know predictable what i'm gonna say but who knows uh so i'm not gonna spoil my prediction there but i think that if roman does win uh at a chamber I think that again, you really haven't seen this on Raw, man. I, I just think that if it's good, it, I think it's almost certain now that maybe Edge is going to challenge Roman um, because he's been getting so much spotlight with Roman, especially in the opening segment. Uh, and especially, um, I know people talk about the spear, spear thing, and that's obviously great, right? But um, I think that the amount of interaction that Edge is getting with Roman Reigns is probably some, you know, foreshadowing something. But at SmackDown, another week in the books for pro wrestling. Um, again, uh, and that's it for our weekly review. We do this every week. Again, our next episode is going to be a prediction for Elimination Chamber that will probably be released either tonight or tomorrow, most likely tomorrow, I would think. Um, so keep on the lookout for that. 
Um, and it, again, it's gonna be it's a weird card, and we're we're definitely gonna give her and but you know that's gonna be us at the Elena Stell. My name is Zachary Weinberger. You can find me at Zach Weinberger on Twitter. Zach with an H-W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G-E-R. Uh, you can catch me at the University Press, at Upress Online, upressonline.com, the Ford. Um, and I, I do other pods as well. I do stuff also with the University Press pods that are going on right now, entertainment, sports. Uh, also do the Nerd Pod with Jacob Brown at the Nerd Pod too. Um, good stuff there. And before JP plugs his stuff, his Twitter's at Acosta32 underscore JP. There it is. You got it down. Second nature now. Second nature. Um, I'm the business manager at University Press. I'm pretty much on almost every podcast. I, I write for the UP. We have an issue coming out Monday that you can find two of my stories in. Um, I write for Big Cat Country. Sometimes I write stuff that might get me fired. Sometimes I don't. It just depends on the day. Um, also, I just talk about a lot of cool stuff, a lot of fun stuff, you know, Mortal Kombat just released their, uh, movie trailer. I've been watching it for 24 hours straight. I am so excited, but, um, yeah, that's, if you find me at Acosta32 underscore JP, I talk about a lot of cool stuff, talk about a lot of fun stuff. So that's really going to be it for me. Yep. And again, you can find us on any streaming platform for, for, for that carries podcast, Spotify. We do ourselves all, you know, also an anchor as well. You'll find us on YouTube, like comment, subscribe, comment some stuff, man. We want to do like these mailbag sort of episodes, maybe kind of answering some questions about us, answering about some wrestling things. Uh, we, we want to do everything with you guys. And again, we want to do more of those like tier maker videos like we did in the past as well, but that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll see you. We'll see you soon. And hopefully, uh, it's not a too crazy bad in a bad way for elimination, but we'll see here to talk about it as well. So we'll see you guys later.